What's up, everybody, and welcome to Anime Baby. This episode brought to you by the letter D for Dragon. I'm your host, Slut and Glasses Mikey, and joined with me, as always, is the Grinning Dragon Ryan. Yes, I'm stealing that from Mike Shelton from Motor City. For <laughs> anybody who understands that reference, <laughs> that's a deep cut. <laughs> and on this episode, we're gonna take things, you know, a little nice and easy, because as you know, our last two regular episodes were all about big action shonen shows, and we've also just now recovered from a weekend of wooming it up at Anime Detour. Oh, yeah, dude, we gotta, chi- we gotta chill after all that. Yeah, just like, you know, we had that post-con uh, hangover, and we're now just getting over it. <laughs> oh, you're telling me. <laughs> Which, by the way, Detour was a blast, as always, and uh, big thanks to everyone who came to all of our panels during that weekend. Yes, I, I had a very fun time out there. Uh, drank way too much. Yeah, I me, admit. me I dr- too. Especially- I, I drank way... I did not paced myself very well out there at all. <laughs> Me too, especially that Saturday night. So, lesson learned there, but uh, no, we met plenty of uh, cool people, made new friends, yes. I reconnected with new old friends, like a guy that I'd done a panel with years ago that <laughs> I just now like learned his name and became <laughs> his friend on Facebook, so super happy about that. It was uh, His name was Matt, he had lots of good panels there. Especially an amazing uh, My Sponge Academia <laughs> yeah. panel that I we unfortunately couldn't go to. No, because I believe during that time we were doing our uh, Toonami panel at the same time. Right, right. But uh, check him out on uh, Asian Equation on YouTube. The, the video is hilarious. You, you gotta see it. it. Especially for what's coming up for us in the future. Yeah, and, just, and like I said, meeting new people, even like uh, for me, connecting with people that I've met through like uh, social media. I got to meet a social media friend of mine from uh, Tumblr and Twitter, her, her uh, Twitter handle at con artist like she was really cool I'm glad yeah I got that to, was really cool glad yeah, I got to meet her in person she was really awesome and I loved her cosplay for the entire weekend especially uh Saki Sacho from interviews with monster girls she rocked it oh yeah she had great costumes and everybody there had like just fantastic costumes all around like just about what you would expect from anime detour yeah like it's one of my favorite anime cons and I feel I always say it gets better and better every year and this year was no exception yeah uh, it's I I, I I honor it a lot in my heart for the uh, room parties that <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't know many know of many other cons that uh, do room parties like that. Nah, but. not a whole lot. And also, I'm glad I was able to do room parties this year because last year, I haven't told the story on microphone, but last year, I was practically almost dying the entire weekend at Detour because I... Yeah, ca- you were... Pre- you get pretty fucked up. I got food poisoning last Detour thanks to some bad Chipotle I had on that Friday. Oh, yeah, I remember that all pretty well. And, and, now, this- and now, like, every time I bring up Chipotle, there's always this, like, glance over at you. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you gonna be cool with it, dude? Oh, yeah, like, as long as I don't go to that, the Chipotle on Nicollet Mall. 
Okay, okay. We'll avoid. You'll avoid that one. I'll avoid that one like the plague. But uh, meanwhile, I'll still like it up whenever I can, (laughs) completely ignoring the experience of my friend. (laughs) Because I'm because I'm just anti Darwinism like that. But yeah, it was an awesome weekend, and also, uh, if you were unable to attend our panels for that weekend, or weren't at the con for whatever reason, uh, I recorded four of our panels, which is on the uh, podcast feed, which is my uh, solo Sonic the Hedgehog comics panel, our uh, Toonami Year in Review panel, our uh, late night OKKO panel with our good friend Taha that went... 30 minutes extra because there was no one in the room after us, and I thought, why not? Let's just keep going because it was no, fun. No, we had so much fun with that one, except for the except for the con staff that got angry at us. Yeah, they were just like, hey, I want to go to bed. Wrap it up, please. <laughs> uh, but we did a fantastic Miraculous Ladybug. I panel. love that. Like, we did that two years ago, and it was my favorite panel from a 2017 Detour, and this one is just like, once again, my favorite panel from the weekend. It was just so much fun. And was, the crowd was a blast. I was really proud of my uh, Parmesan cheese cocaine. <laughs> my Parmesan cheese cocaine snorting yes. joke. That was great. That was one of my finest jokes in recent years. Crowd really popped at that one. <laughs> I, I I had to pop at that one too, if you're hearing the audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Like, especially for that panel. The crowd was super great. Yeah, enjoy yourselves. So yeah, after a pretty hectic couple of months or so, I feel we should cover a nice little anime to help us get back into the swing of things more easily. So yeah, I almost feel like uh, I almost feel in the mood like I need to be uh, like relaxed a little bit. Like I need some other thing to uh, cater to me to my every <laughs> whim, and uh, I don't know, almost like a, almost like a maid, you know? Ah, <laughs> oh, well, so glad you brought that up because on this episode we're gonna take a look at Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. But before we get right into it, let's get you up to speed. So first things first, let's talk about Kyoto Animation. Kyoto Animation, also known as KyoAni for short, is an animation studio based in the Kyoto Prefecture that began in 1981 and still goes to this very day. They're famous for producing many well-known and popular anime such as, but not limited to, the adaptations of key visual novels like your heirs, canons, clan ads, that sort of thing. But they also did uh, Nichijo, Tamako Market, Beyond the Boundary, Love Chunibyo and Other Delusions, Sound Euphonium, Free Iwatobi Swim Club, and most recently, the film A Silent Voice, which I still need to see because I hear it's really good. Damn, Silent Voice? Like, they've even got their, like, they even got their production fingers into that? Yeah. My god, good on them. And of course, KyoAni did a number of other shows that are personal favorites of mine, such as Lucky Star, Kayon, Hyoka, and the biggest one, The Big Dog, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Ooh, Classic. Like, they produce some of my favorite animes of all time, and also, like, Haruhi and Lucky Star I credit as the shows that got me back into anime after I had that free falling out in the mid-hots. So, like, they're, I feel like they're kind of with me ever since my whole, my new beginning as an anime fan in these recent Right, they have, they have a so. very special place in your heart. They really do, and, like, if you remember from our episode 00 uh, podcast, I mentioned that I used a Haruhi quote as my senior yearbook quote, so <laughs> you know how much that show really means to me. That, that, that ought to give you so much street cred. And it's just also, like, I'm kind of thinking, like, man, without Kyoto Animation, I'm kind of wondering, like, where would I be now without without them if they hadn't produced, like, all those shows? Hmm, that's a very good question. You'd probably be some sword art lover. <laughs> <laughs> and defend that to the very death. <laughs> oh, man, I apologize for that scene from season three. God. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, yeah, don't watch that. <laughs> don't, don't. Like, I rage quit that show. 
So when it comes to, to its animation, KyoAnnie is known for how gorgeous they make their shows look. Like, there's just so much attention to every little detail, and they also know how to build a mood with, like, lighting and framing scenes. Like, Oh, yeah, a show like Nichijou should not be <laughs> as, like, good as, it, good as it is. Yeah. As a slice-of-life comedy <laughs> with, like, surreal elements. But goddamn, do they sell it. They really do, especially, like, some of the more weirder scenes in that show are, like, I think I remember, like, one scene where, like, a girl is, like, getting defensive of, like, having, like, certain, like, uh, I think it was, like, yaoi manga and everyone was kind of getting a look at it and she was just going nuts and wild and having, like, almost Jojo-esque fight scenes with anyone who almost peeks at her work. Oh, it's glorious. And they, they, that studio really delivered. Yeah, and it's like... They deliver on every show they work on. Yeah, and it's like, you can t practically take any screenshot from any anime they've done and just sit and marvel at it as if it were, like, a, a, a work of art hanging in a museum. I can't even think of one that where, like, they didn't put in, like, is there even one that you could consider, like, a dud? No, like, even like even shows that people say, like, okay, the writing wasn't good, people will say, like, but the animation was top-notch. Right, right. So it can at least deliver in that department. It's just, like, visual, like, goodness for your eyes. Candy. Candy. <laughs> So one of the major factors for them to be able to produce such uh, breathtaking animation is that uh, their animators are actually salaried employees rather than freelance animators paid for by frame. Oh, that, that'll that do it. That'll do it. That'll actually get some good work out there. Yeah. Like, actually well-paid employees. Yeah. Not like contractor animators, <laughs> like being worked slave labor. Sorry, I, I, I get I get really defensive about like dodgy working conditions. Right. Like if you're like if you're gonna be working your employees like long hours and stuff, you gotta compensate them. Yeah, like so therefore like at Kyoto animation animators are able to focus more on the quality of each frame rather than the quantity in order to like uh, get more money. So yeah. This is the benefit of paying your animators, folks. Oh, it's almost like keeping employees happy and well paid and not like pushing them into slave labor can actually produce good content. Yeah, case in point. Studio Perot producing Black Clover. Yeah, or uh, <coughs> Epic Games. <coughs> <laughs> That's my topical <laughs> joke of the day there. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any experience with, like, Kyo Any shows outside, out of, like, all the ones I've mentioned? Ooh, I think, like, um, Lucky Star, the Air Movie, which you showed me before. Yeah. Uh, free, of course. Yeah. You know, I like Free. I don't know, they're not a studio that I've followed super closely, but I've had uh, quite the enjoyable experience every time I've seen one of their works. Like, any time you ever see them, it's just a banger each time, like, never uh, never a bad show that you've seen out of them? No, they've not, as far as, like, I've consumed them thus far, they've not made a bad show. They're just so consistent with, like, how good their shows are. Yeah, they do actually keep, like, pretty consistent quality across all their works. So, by the end of 2016, Kill Annie was finishing up the second season of Sound Euphonium, but uh, it wouldn't be long until their next anime series as... At the start of 2017, ho-ho, enter the dragon. Maid! <laughs> Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, originally a manga written and illustrated by, this is seriously the dude's name, Cool Kyo Shinja, which initially began in May 2013, published in Futubasha's monthly action magazine, with the North American release handled by Seven Seas Entertainment, and is still running to this very day with eight volumes underneath its belt. Although I think it's ending pretty soon, though. Yeah, that's what I hear, too. Yeah, it's it's on its way towards uh, ending. Yeah, but hey, good run for, like, uh, about six years' worth of uh, work. I know, right? Good run for a guy who, uh, for all we know, doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> because, my God, like, it's, it, it feels like there's a whole new generation rising of, of mangakas, that have chosen the internet as their sole domain and do not come out for any sunlight. 
They a whole new breed, a whole new subspecies of cryptids is being birthed <laughs> with all of these manga authors. <laughs> we don't know any. What do we know about this guy? If he even is a guy, I don't even know. Like I'm kind of like thinking like maybe he's not one person and maybe he's like a team. Mm, you would think. You would think like they were like a yeah, because like the name is a pseudonym, so I'm kind of su- assuming like maybe it's like more than one person. Right, right. But so little we know about this person. No, all we know that he's apparent. Like the only thing I really know about the guy personally is that apparently he's a horny dude. Mm, you, you can tell. You can tell from his works. Yeah, look, uh, look at his work, and also look back to a few months ago during the whole Bowsette craze, where he like actually drew his own interpretation of the Bowsette character. It's it's as you we would think of it. From it's guy. exactly if, if you've seen the guy's work before, you, it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, so he's he's a weird cat, and I kind of really want to know more about him. Yeah, yeah, but like I don't know, mangakas are like so famously uh, like shy, like media shy, you know. Yeah, has I mean, even of pictures I've seen of like uh, Kohei Horikoshi behind My Hero Academia, I've seen him in I've seen him in interviews where he actually wears like a sort of steampunk styled mask. <laughs> Like no joke for like for villains that are coming up in the anime. I think like he like he's he's got a slight obsession with masks or something. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. Um, but that's that's future stuff coming up in like My Hero Academia that we haven't seen in the anime yet. Yes. So it'll eventually be adapted into an anime by KyoAni for the 2017 winter season and is directed by Yasuhiro Takemoto, who spent nearly his entire career with uh, Kyoto Animation since uh, 1996. He's most known for directing Lucky Star, Hyoka, the uh, first free movie, High Speed Free Starting Days, and the Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya movie. Ooh, quite the quite the works there. That's a killer's row right there. I know. So the anime is licensed by both Crunchyroll and Funimation during their partnership as Crunchyroll would stream the Japanese simulcast while Funimation would produce the English dub. Uh, those were the days of the Funimation-Crunchyroll partnership before it all all came crashing down. Oh, what wonders could have been made there. Thanks a lot, Sony. Yeah. On the English dub side of things, it is direct, the dub is directed by Kyle Phillips of Dinky Kaminari fame, while the scripts are handled by Jamie Markey of Ghoul Intentions fame. So with all that out of the way, we're talking Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, and without further ado, let's start the show. Choo-choo, yeah! <laughs> Start off. 
How about the opening to the show? The song uh, Blue Sky Rhapsody by Fauna. Man, what an upbeat song. Oh yeah, this this song just puts a smile on your face. <laughs> it's just so happy and peppy. Like even if you're like in a sour mood, you can just put on this song and you're just instantly spirits just lift it up. I know everything about like the melodies and beats is just so uplifting and it just uh, lets you know you're going to be in you're going to have a nice day. You're going to have a happy day. And I love the this, this anime is going to dote on you and <laughs> do whatever it can. <laughs> To make sure that your day is the happiest, that you have no worries. I gotta love the visuals of the opening, like all, how it just gets so kind of weird and stuff with like, uh, characters flying around, you have like a scene where like characters sprout out of like their horns and stuff, or like how they sprout, they bloom out of flowers, or... I know, it's goofy, it's wild. It's just like, or like characters just like shaking their butts at the camera. <laughs> or like my favorite part where like, uh, when the song gets to the chorus, you just see like, all of, like the background characters just like spinning around in the sky with their almost like T posing while they like helicopter spin. And it goes on for like way too long. <laughs> like I love that bit so much because it just makes me laugh. I can just I can just look at a, a never-ending gif of that shot of the opening and just die of laughter for a good ten minutes because it's just so goofy. Uh, but it's, it's uh, but just like those people, it's uplifting. It is, and like you know, listening to this OP, I'm reminded of uh, my only regret from uh, when we attended Anime Central from last year, and it's that uh, one of the guests was uh, the singer Fauna. She was one of the musical guests for Ace in last year. Oh. And she had a concert, but uh, for whatever reason, like I couldn't fit it into the schedule. I couldn't go to it, and I was just so disappointed that I couldn't see her in action. Oh, you wanted to helicopter up to the heavens, too. I wanted too. to <laughs> helicopter to the heavens while she sang uh, the Dragon Maid theme. <laughs> I Dude, been... I'm sorry, but you know I wouldn't have let you gone up like that. I would have <laughs> lassoed you right back down. <laughs> I would have just bought, I would have just bought a, bought a gun and just like shot you down right there. Like, no, it's not your time yet. I know it's ironic because you're going up to heaven and I'm shooting you down from heaven so that you don't like die and go to heaven. But I assure you, I'm doing this for you, buddy. I'd be like that uh, wolf from that one uh, droopy cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I like probably would have been the guy at the concert being like, play the Dragon Maid OP, play Dragon Maid, do it. <laughs> And then after I would have heard that opening, I would have been like, well, I'm done, and left immediately afterwards. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure you have, like, a really good set, and I'm sure the rest of your songs are all bangers, too, but I just came here for the Dragon Maid opening. <laughs> Thank you, have a nice day. I came here to test my body-spinning, like, heaven-ascending theory. <laughs> so, on to episode one, the strongest maid in history, Toru. In parentheses, well, she is a dragon. Which I gotta say, I love the titles to this show because you have like the main title. And They're all very snarky. And then you have like the snarky title in parentheses. <laughs> it just gets like really real and, be, and being all like, "Oh, this is this is the beach episode. This is <laughs> this is the serious episode. This is the one where we raise the bar." Yeah. <laughs> so kick off with the titular Miss Kobayashi, played here by Leah Clark, heading out for another typical day of work. By the way, as far as we know, she doesn't have a first name, as throughout the entire series, she's just referred to by her last name, Kobayashi. Which, I guess, uh, she must have been named by uh, Vince McMahon, saying like, <laughs> oh, damn it, pal, you should only have one name, Kobayashi. It's like, share. <laughs> God, like, nobody, nobody could have just asked this poor woman. No wonder she, no wonder she looks so, like, lackadaisical and, like, like mildly grumpy throughout the series. <laughs> nobody just asks her her first name. And also, I gotta, I have to give it up to uh, Leah Clark as her performance, because uh, she's really good in this role. Mm, like, she doing, really is. She this, sells Kobayashi pretty this well. This very, like, stoic, kind of, like, 
chill character who's kind of mostly over anything she sees and whatnot. She's very believable, even though she's, like, surrounded by the fantastical. Yeah. I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, Leah Clark mentioned on Twitter while this was, uh, the simuldub was airing that uh, she would record Kobayashi early in the mornings because, you know, like, when you wake up, your voice is kind of, like, very low and gravelly and like that, so that would be, like, the perfect time for her to play Kobayashi. Ooh, that's a clever way to add to the voice of your character. Yeah, that's very similar to how uh, Eric Vale performs uh, Sanji in One Piece. Really? How does he perform that? Like, he records uh, first thing in the morning, you know, when his voice is, like, very low and gravelly, so he can kind of, like, have that kind of almost deep smoker's voice for uh, Sanji. Oh, I would imagine he would just smoke, like, five packs a day. <laughs> yeah, just smoke them. And then that's how he would... Then again, I guess that's how his four kids actor, like, approached it. <laughs> he had this amazing theory of, like, I'm gonna smoke, like, ten packs of cigarettes a day, and I'm gonna get the perfect voice for Sanji here. Ten, then, like, just, like, fifty packs later, Hey, yo, Luffy! <laughs> can I join your pirate crew? Sounds more like funny cigarettes to me. <laughs> So, uh, when Kobayashi leaves for work, she opens the door to her apartment and comes face-to-face -face with a big-ass holy mother-of-God-for-realsies dragon. <laughs> yeah, that'll wake you up in the morning. <laughs> just, just seeing a dragon staring you down while you wait, while you open the door. Uh, but I'm very welcome to, uh, Toru right here. Because I don't know about you, but, like, my, my dragon representations today could use a little more, uh, peppiness and happiness. Because we've got... Because just recently I had... Toothless departing hiccup with yeah. How to Train Your Dragon 3, and I felt sad. Then you've got Daenerys coming back with, like, the final Game of Thrones season. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, awesome. Mm -hmm. But here with Toru, I can just feel nothing but, like, cuteness and just, like, happiness and a warmth that you can only get from a dragon maid. Yeah, because as you see, uh, not only is she a big, snarling, intimidating, maddening beast of a, mo of a dragon, but uh, she can transform into a super cute maid girl. <laughs> Like, uh, this can't be real, right? Like, Kobayashi's totally dreaming. Ah, uh, no. You best be believing in Dragon Tales, Miss Kobayashi. Because you're in one. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish with all my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's back up here. So, yeah, this cute, uh, dragon turned main is Toru, played here by Sarah Wiedenhef, and she and Kobayashi met after Kobayashi bumped into her in the middle of the woods during one of her, uh, drunken escapades. You know, one thing led to another, bada-bing, bada-boom, you got yourself a dragon maid, Miss Kobayashi. I'm sure we had all our fair share of late-night drunken antics like Kobayashi right here. You know, you're <laughs> wandering out in the middle of the woods, all of a sudden you befri befriend a dragon, and suddenly they're, they're your servant. Yeah, I, bef I befriended a pack of wolves the other day when I was uh, deep in my cups from that uh, scotch I was finishing off <laughs> from the uh, convention. Uh, I just got mauled, uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, like, man... Uh, I don't know. I really thought that would be the one time. Like, all of a sudden I would find these wolves and they would just all just turn to these maids that would dote on me. Oh, uh, man, you should have had my experience. I once ran into a bear in the middle of the woods and uh, we had a pretty chill time, you know, talked about life, shoot the shit and everything, you know, all the good stuff. You see, that's the thing. I should I should have eased myself in with the wolves and ingratiated myself <laughs> a little bit more. Offered them some of the scotch that I had, you know, but like... Yeah, I'm sure they would have accepted. No, I came on a little too strong and, uh, boy, they came on strong. <laughs> So, should also mention here, uh, yeah, like how much, like, I already talked about how much I love uh, Leah Clark as Kobayashi, but uh, I really love Sarah Weedneff as Toru, because 
she's just so incredibly good, mm. full of energy and peppiness. She's she's the MVP of the series. Like I would say, she, like this performance is like up there with uh, Bryn April as Hikari from Interviews with Monster Girls as a performance that can bring me insurmountable joy anytime I hear it. She brings so much to it. She's de- she delivers strong with all of her peppy energy and her happiness. Yeah, just pure optimism and enthusiasm for everything. She. She keeps it up. She is. It's like I said, and also I said the same thing about Brin as uh, Hikari. Like, if I were, I could, if I can only be like a fly on the wall while she was recording for Toru, like I would just love to see like how she really gets into it, like performing as this character. So anyway, Kobayashi isn't one to turn away someone, especially considering that uh, she could use some help around her place. Like, have you seen the sty of a house she lives in? So, and also, uh, you know, she isn't a dragon racist or anything, as she says. <laughs> so she wants to bring in Toru as a maid, but the uh, problem is, Toru doesn't really know how to maid very well. But uh, Toru isn't going to give up, as she wants to be uh, Kobayashi's maid so badly, as you see, she loves her in a sexual way. <laughs> at least she's up fr- I'll, g- I'll give her this, she's upfront about it. Yeah, she's, she's like, a straight shooter. At least, at least, unlike other series, they're not dancing around that, like, constantly. They're no, just, she's like, just... No, like, I'm interested in you sexually. Like, She's like, Miss Kobayashi, I want to plow you. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to ride me. <laughs> and not in, like, a Daenerys or, like, hiccup kind of way. <laughs> like, really go at it. Face in the pillow, go like the clappers. <laughs> <laughs> Toru would totally say that. Come on, let's be real here. <laughs> <sighs> this is off to such a good start. This is. <laughs> And anyway, something I want to mention here is just, like, I love how accepting Kobayashi is of, like, coming into contact with a legit dragon and just being generally cool with it. Like, she's weirded out by, at first, but then she's all like, oh, you're a dragon? Okay. Like, she's pretty nonchalant about most things, and that's something I just really like about Kobayashi as a character. Yeah, she's super chill. So okay with all the weirdness that's going yeah, on. Yeah, she rolls her. with the punches a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, even though Toru can't maid well, especially as you see, like, her maid skills were, like, cleaning the house involves her just blowing it up and then just, like, bringing back all the furniture with her magic or trying to feed Kobayashi her tail, which is, like, a dragon thing of, like, uh, a sign of love. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, how she cleans her laundry by just, like, eating them and then using her saliva to clean it. Useful in different ways, I guess. Yeah, so even though Toro's maid skills are pretty questionable, uh, Kobayashi does let her at least stay at home so she can hold down the fort while she has to go to work. Which she does exceptionally well as she runs off a couple of burglars in her dragon form. <laughs> and then she later, like, regrets that she could have that she didn't kill him. And uh, another great bit here is uh, when uh, Toro's home alone, holding down the fort, she uh, uses the phone to call up one of her dragon friends to uh, ask for a bit of advice. And basically, on the other line, her friend is just like, kill all humans, kill all humans, kill all humans. He's always so helpful. (laughs) You must be a delight at parties. (laughs) (laughs) So, the following day, we get to see a bit of Kobayashi's work life as she's an office programmer. Because, you know, gotta get those computers. Oh, yeah, gotta work those long slave hours. (laughs) (laughs) Typically, her days are just, like, long, full of programming. uh, But uh, luckily, they end with her uh, grabbing a drink with one of her her co-worker and friend, uh, Makoto Takia, played here by Jeff Johnson. But, uh, you know, Toru's having none of it as she she sees him as a bit of a love rival for uh, Miss Kobayashi's affections. 
And I love how she introduces herself very kind of like, uh, very stern, but also trying to be nice about it, where she's all like, I'm her new live-in maid. Her new violent live-in maid. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta really hit that part home. <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, I could, I could probably kill you right now, but I can't because we're in the presence of Miss Kobayashi here. I could probably perform better in bed than you do. <laughs> like, just dropping that. <laughs> <laughs> I got something you don't have, pal. That's boobs. <laughs> So Toru joins them so she can make sure Takia doesn't put the moves on Kobayashi. But uh, in reality, Kobayashi and Takia are just good friends as uh, he sees her as, you know, one of the guys, you know, someone he can pal around with. But uh, Toru doesn't see it that way and uh, she tries to actually kill him. But before that can happen, she's interrupted by drunk Kobayashi, (laughs) which is so great. I got to splice it in. And uh, you also get to see why they're friends because they're both super huge maid nerds. I've never heard of like a maid nerd before this. (laughs) I was just, like, every, when it comes to otakuism in Japan, and I see all the weird works that, like, are birthed from it, because let's be honest, there's a, there's some anime out there I look at, and I think, like, oh, a total otaku for this subject yeah, totally made this. You know, I ain't dissing him or anything, but I'm all like, if you want to deliver that mu- that hard, like, you know, on a week-by-week basis with Haikyuu, then, like, you gotta be some kind of otaku for, like, volleyball. Yeah, you gotta have, like, a certain niche for your audience there. Yeah, or if, like, Strike Witches. You gotta be a super big otaku for, like, Japanese warships. And and girls who don't wear pants. Exactly. (laughs) Don't you hate pants? (laughs) But, like, I've never heard of, like, an otaku for maids before, because I never figured it was a subject worth being an otaku over. Yeah, and these are, like, otaku for, like, real maids, you know, like, legit house servants who like see are not like the ones you see in like uh cosplay maid cafes or like well, what do you see in movies like real legitimate ones Miss Kobayashi? Uh, Toru. good maids don't talk that way no threatening murder she's got drunk on top of that what's with your so-called maid uniform it's pretty disrespectful to maid them if you ask me i mean have a little self-respect you look like you're about to lose a cosplay contest ah! Toru, those horns are a nice, if not confusing, touch to the cosplay. Dragons have horns, and that is all I know about that. Take it off. Take it off! Uh Come on! Grab your loins, sister! Cosplay me crazy! Where's the shame in your room? I'm ashamed. Give me more! Show us what your mind is made of! Big nerds for like the actual like wear like dr- like wear that they would wear over the years, the clothing and like what they would do. Like these these kinds of otaku's could describe every which way that a maid could throw out the chamber pot. Yeah, <laughs> and they also see Toru in her regular maid outfit as like uh, you know someone who's about to lose like a cosplay contest or like I love this line where uh, I think it was like Takia who says uh, it's cultural appropriation without the culture. <laughs> <laughs> You know, come on, Toru, have a little self-respect in yourself as a maid. <laughs> You're giving maids a bad name here. 
<laughs> I'm loving this guy already. He's a lot of fun, especially when he t- throws on like his uh, swirly eye glasses and he goes into full nerd mode. And he talks in like a very nerd voice with like his lisp and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he kn- he he knows how to live in both worlds. Yeah. So I think this would be a perfect time as any any to bring up that the fact that you have a certain hate boner for maids. Would you like to uh, talk to the, talk to us about that? Oh God, we're we're adding this in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as the uh, as my um, as far as all the uh, I don't know I don't know how would you how you would call it I guess it's my list of uh, fetishes that I don't understand and never will. <laughs> <laughs> and I think and like I think the way the list goes is that uh, I think there's there's a number of like fetishes out there that I just don't understand and personally I will never uh, like understand myself. <laughs> I think number one on that list is nurses. Mm-hmm. That's only because I have family that's in, like, nursing and stuff. And I think number two on that spot... I think I've changed this up in the past, but, like, somewhere around there, number two or number three is maids. Okay. I'm just like, I don't know, I can just never get around the whole, like, master-servant <laughs> angle. It just seems kind of inappropriate, you know? Right. Like, you know, I, I, feel, I feel more... I feel less inclined to ask this person to do something for me and more inclined to just... Uh, Give them fifty thousand dollars and escape from this like horrid life of servitude. <laughs> just me, just my personal taste. But hey, I'm cool with Toru right here. Oh yeah, she's a, she's one of the good ones. Yes, and as we will see later on, this is all of her choice, all of her doing. Yes, too. this is what she wants. Yeah. So uh, despite Toru's uh, choice of uniform and uh, questionable maid skills, and that includes all the stuff we mentioned earlier, and also uh, another thing where like uh, she tries to dry clothes and she does that by blowing up the clouds with her fire breath. Yeah, she can make sunny days out of it. Yeah, that's better. Pretty good size. But uh, you know, after all that, Kobayashi's willing to keep her around, and on the plus side, she'll only get better because you know nowhere to go but up, right? Mm, exactly. And uh, a really cute scene to kind of close out this very first episode as. Uh, as when Kobayashi heads to bed, uh, Toru climbs in with her and cuddles off to her a bit, which is, it's done in a very sweet way and not a very creepy way. It's very sweet. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, Kobayashi's like saying, hey, it's cramped. And Toru's like, oh, do you want me to go? And, he, and she's all like, nah, it's fine. Which is nice. Is this like the only thing time she'll afford this for her too? Yeah. <laughs> like you get one, you okay? Did, you get one. I'm, I, had a, I had a long day and I don't feel like giving out to you about climbing into bed with me. So in, enjoy Spoon it. Spoon away. Spoon away. <laughs> Though uh, it's interrupted by Toru having a bit of a nightmare as she remembers back to a battle which ended with her being stabbed by a giant sword. Though Kobayashi does comfort her in her own own way, and it's like really cute. And of course, with this series, more cute to come. Oh yes. So onward to episode two, Second Dragon Kana. We're totally spoiling here. <laughs> Before we get to the subject of that spoilerific title, it's time to go grocery shopping with Toru. But uh, not at the big supermarket, though, as it reminds Toru of a big castle which uh, freaks her out. Not a fan of castles, is our Toru. Too many traumatic experiences dealing with and fighting crusaders when it comes to castles. Mmm, true, true. I can understand that. But uh, hey, that means that they just get to explore some even cooler markets. Yeah, instead you have to go to the local uh, shopping district, which is kind of like a village bazaar, so it's a bit so it's a bit better for Toru. Ooh, I've wanted to like go to... I, I don't know, I just look at one of these things and I think like, oh, I want to go down one of those sometime. Cause like every time you see one of those like in like an anime or like a video game or something, they just look like the most like communal places ever. Everybody's got everybody knows everybody else's name. Yeah. Everybody can hook you up with like the finest stuff. You can see a little of the you can see a little bit of that in like a uh, I think uh, the Yaku- the uh, video game Yakuza Six. Yeah. Out in like an um, out in like a country like coastal town and stuff, where you just look around and you just like 
feel the sense of community around everywhere. Yeah, and also, like, it uh, wouldn't be the first time we see, like, a market like this in a KyoAni show, because they would actually go and base an entire show off a market like this with Tamako Market. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and also we get to see a bit of a Toru's congenial personality during this, as she's practically well acquainted with just about everyone in the shopping district, from the merchants to, like, other shoppers, too. Though she doesn't understand how friendly she is, as uh, she's she says she's like, oh, I'm nice to them, and they're nice to me, and then they give me free stuff. I guess that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know who she isn't nice to? Muggers, that's who. As when one shows up, Toru springs into a action, after asking Kobayashi's permission, of course, and she zips right in and knocks the mugger out with like a Roman Reigns Superman punch. Stopping crime, <laughs> Toru stopping crime, like American Dragon Jake Long. <laughs> <laughs> or in this case, would it be a Super Dragon punch? Ooh, that's a good Super point. Super Dragon. <laughs> Super Dragon. <laughs> Super Dragon. <laughs> we do. We we get we get one. We get one of those for this. One. We're allowed. Shout out to Botchmania. <laughs> anyway, great example of how good the animation is in this show. Because for a show that like has like a very simple art design, you know, when you look at the manga and we look at the characters by themselves, uh, Kyoani really went above and beyond with them as like as like they usually do, just making everything in the show look so crisp and gorgeous, like. With this scene where Toru just, like, springs up, runs in, and then she kind of does a little twirl before she, like, punches the mugger. And then he, like, breaks into the ground at the impact of the punch. I don't know why they don't do more action, to be honest. Yeah, why don't they do action? Why don't they? They're so good at animating it. Yeah, because it's mostly, like, just typical slice of life stuff. Like, hardly any action. Yeah, I know. That's kind of their bread and butter. But, like, I don't understand why they have a crew that is really talented in that regard yeah it's just it's so rare even but like anytime they do bring an action like i remember a scene in melancholy of haruhi suzumiya where like one of the characters fights like a, a giant monster like a giant uh, camel cricket don't ask but it was so really well animated and good i'm just like god do more action shows i know just like just even adapt something out there adapt like a manga like a shonen or something could you imagine them doing like a action shonen god oh my god it'd be so good like it would kind of like give stuff like stuff done by studio trigger run for their money Ooh, we can only imagine so though both kobayashi and toru felt that was uh the punch was a bit overkill they think toru's and they think toru's cover has been blown but uh luckily the crowd uh, are all thankful for her for stopping the robber and they cheer her on and they see her as a big savior of the marketplace She's the American dragon, Jake Long, <laughs> <laughs> without of this the, little t town area. Without the weird uh, Brooklyn accent. <laughs> <laughs> and the weird second season redesign. Dude, this, this shit, Toru would really, like, be improved if she just rapped, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she was just really hip with the kids. You get those you get those guys who did like all the rap music for like Devil Man Cry Baby. Yeah. And, like, they, they, they could deliver for Toru, man. Yeah. They could certainly deliver. Oh my god. Fucking god, like, Amer <laughs> oh my god, American Dragon Jake Long, the anime adaption. Oh! oh! Get on this. Yes. Yes. G give me Foo Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, as they're walking away from the market, we get a little nice moment as uh, Kobayashi is holding on to Toru's hand very tightly, and, you know, because she's very protective of Toru, and we kind of get to see the hints of her really coming to like her in her own way. Yeah, yeah, very sweet little... One of one of many small but sweet moments. Yes. So after that bit of excitement, let's get to the real star of the episode. While home alone, Kobayashi gets a ring at the door and is greeted by another dragon girl, a younger-looking one to be exact, and likely a friend of Toru's. This here is Kana Kamui, played here by Jade Saxton, and she's here to tell Kobayashi to break up with Toru as she knows she must have seduced Toru with her body. And then she goes to say, and I quote, 
you cuckold, you slut in glasses, break up with her slut. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you learn such, what, what Reddit forum did you learn such <laughs> terrible language, you little girl? <laughs> oh, kids, you know, they, they say the darndest things. <laughs> <laughs> what game of Fortnite did you learn that language on? <laughs> Oh man, can't you just be in like in a normal chat group in one of those FPS shooters where the guy just sings Maroon 5 or Coldplay? <laughs> uh, love the bit here or like uh, when Toru walks in on uh, Kana yelling at uh, Kobayashi, see, she sees Kana grabbing onto her and she's all like, Miss Kobayashi, are you cheating on me? <laughs> and another great bit of animation where like uh, it starts off all normal and then as she like marches up to Kobayashi, the animation like shifts and like she kind of turns more dragon-like in her human form yeah yeah nice little like visual way to get across the anger there yeah it's so good so yeah kind of here is indeed a friend of toru's and she's been looking for her since toru came into this world without really telling any of her friends and she was able to find out because of how toru blew up the clouds from earlier so that's how she was able to track her down and Kana's come to take her friend back, but the only problem is she's super weak at the moment, as proven by her little baby punches she throws at Kobayashi. Which is she like, gets, and she gets like tired and has to rest, and then she has to like bang again. And then goes back up again. <laughs> uh, can we can we just comment for a second that like Kana is one of the most like adorable anime characters to come out? Yeah, it's kind of so friggin' cute. I love her. She 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 is so cute that I on that part of me believes that she was designed by committee. Yeah, <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's one. That's one theory that we could. Have, that's one contributing idea I have towards the theory that the author of this is just a collective. Because my God, she looks cute by like group design. Yeah, and it's just like, and it worked because like you see how popular Kana is among like the fan community. Like you can like see anything at cons from like Kana cosplay to Kana artwork and stuff like that. Like I remember one year at D two after the, the series came out, there was like a person selling fucking Kana hug pillows. Oh <laughs> man, yeah. And they sold out. Like I asked them, like, say, hey, do you have any more of those just out of curiosity? And, and then she was all like, oh no, we sold out like earlier in the week. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think I think what sells her is just how she plays off of everybody else, though. Yeah, and also I just... that's what that's the that's the real magic with her is that yeah. she's she she's such a daughter to Kobayashi yeah. and Toru. She's wonderful in that regard. She's she's so adorable when she's playing off of others. Yeah, and also I just love her like kind of little almost stoic like demeanor towards anything. Like she's almost like Kobayashi in that she's kind of very chill and nonplussed by everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's I think that like, I think that comes more from her um, perspective as like a child and that she's you know very aloof towards everything in the world yeah. and stuff. And also like uh, I I just love how a lot of her scenes involve her just doing cute stuff in the background while the characters are having a conversation. You can just see her like you know playing with her hair or playing with her food or anything like that. Yeah, the animators are always doing something with her. Yeah, like, she's always moving. Like, she's never, like, sitting still. Like, she's, a, like she's an actual all, she, kid. When, when everybody's not looking, she's off having her own little, like, adventures and struggles. Yeah, like a kid. Yeah, like a kid. So we find out one of the reasons why kind of here, other than looking for Toru, is that uh, she loves to play pranks on others, And but uh, her parents had enough of her prank playing, so they basically put her in Dragon Time Out in the human world. So just a big, like, so just a, like, a big, like, uh, blocked off, like, area of the house or something. Yeah, so so they like, just to throw her off in the human world. They're just like, now you wait right here in the human world and think about what you've done, young lady. Threw you off in this world with tons of humans you can chase and stuff you can destroy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like giving a kid a timeout in a playground. Yeah. <laughs> so. so since Kana doesn't have anywhere else to go, uh, Kobayashi invites her to stay at her place. Though Kana is still a bit untrusting of her, 
But uh, Kobayashi tells her that uh, she understands how she must be feeling very scared in this new world, not knowing anyone. But, uh, you know, she still invites her nonetheless because, you know, it's kind of like almost like a parental instinct with uh, Kobayashi here. Yeah, yeah. And this moment is another moment that just reaffirms Toru of her love of Kobayashi as she's just a really kind person despite her very cold exterior. Yeah, yeah. Despite, despite like, what we hear about her in the uh, other world that she comes from and stuff, you know, she's quite the caring figure. Yeah. So later on, after getting settled in and recharging her dragon batteries as kind of had her tail plugged into an electrical outlet... <laughs> I love that so much. I just want to see, like, Kobayashi come up to her in, like, one episode with, like, the electric bill and be all like, Kana, why is there an extra $300 on my electric bill? <laughs> I need it to recharge. <laughs> Young lady, we're buying you just straight-up, like, electrical generators. <laughs> it's going to be way cheaper. Just buy one of those portable chargers. <laughs> we got we got to do hand-cranking here for you. <laughs> <laughs> So Kana wants to go out and play as she's bored of playing uh, with Kobayashi's Xbox One. <laughs> I'm sick of Fortnite. I want to go outside and play for real. <laughs> I'm sick of the I'm sick of the limited game library. Why didn't you get a PS4 or at least a Switch? <laughs> so the two dragons fly off to a large empty field with Kobayashi in tow, and they go play. So how do dragons play? You may ask. By having a sick, crazy, super DBZ dragon fight, of course. With, again, beautiful animation of, like, Toru and Akana just, like, throwing energy balls at each other. And, like, <laughs> it's uh, Tor uh, Toru firing off, like, laser beams and Akana just barely dodging out of the way of them. They're trying to kill each other here. But, uh, nah, they're just, they're just roughhousing a little bit, you know? It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like if you're the kind of person who has two cats and they kind of, like, gnaw and bite at each other. It's kind of like that. Yeah, just with a lot. Yeah, but then again, when they play like that, they're not prone to like killing their like caretakers. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty. It must be pretty tame by dragon standards. They're uh, playing, right? Right. Like this, this is something that easily an older dragon could break apart. Which makes me wonder, like, what if what are dragons like when they do try to fight for realsies? Probably just constant continents getting destroyed. <laughs> So after that playtime, uh, it's time for Kana to learn from Toru the common sense of this world, like honoring traffic lights at all times or else you get smushed by a car, using simple everyday phrases to get through any conversations like, you know, that's wicked, all that kind of stuff. And also teeter-totters are used by kids to catapult rocks into the sky to take down flying enemies. And also the world is full of uh, things like crepes and ice cream that you can eat. And said eating moments can be used as prime gifable material. Seriously, have you seen all, like, the gifs of, like, Kana just eating food all over the internet? <laughs> I'm not surprised that that got propagated. It's all just, like, adorable. <laughs> it's all, it is. And it's all over the place. And afterwards, you get a little nice heart-to-heart -heart moment between Kana and Toru as Toru tells her about how she came to this world, you know. She escaped because she was injured, and then Kobayashi came to help her, and now she's just repaying back her kindness by being her maid. And also, save for a couple of other dragons, uh, she left everyone else back at home with the assumption that she's dead and never coming back. Because she doesn't want to go back and she's just happy here in this moment. Ouch, though. Yeah, just <laughs> kind of... see how that gets developed. Yeah, I'm kind of pretty sure, like, some certain people back at home are a little salty about uh, someone they care about not being... not wanting to come back home. Mm, we'll need to see how that develops. Yeah, we will be. But uh, for now, on to episode three, Start of a New Life. That doesn't go well, of course. <laughs> so, you know, like, uh, you know, you have, like, your families and stuff like that. Parents, kids, dogs, cats, pets, and whatnot. Well, you know, you know, and also a family can also be a woman, her dragon maid, and their little dragon daughter. I, I honestly believe this whole series was partly 
just made to uh <laughs> to basically just tell a story about like two lesbian mothers <laughs> yeah exactly and their daughter yeah i, fe- I feel like they i feel like the author or authors <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe you're selling me on this theory <laughs> whoever it was was just like oh i want to write a manga about like two lesbian mothers just taking care of their daughter in the real world Ah, oh, but Japan, my home my home country is really homophobic and shit, <laughs> and conservative as fuck. How am I gonna sell this? I make one of them a dragon. No, I make two of them dragons. Two of them. Then that'll be believable. Two 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 dragons in a lesbian it, it, with a le, with one of them in a lesbian relationship. <laughs> With a dragon daughter. Oh my god, they'll, they'll eat it up. That, that'll that be way more believable in this country than elsewhere. <laughs> ah, man, tapping the temple right there. Like <laughs> like a genius moment. Like ah, a man. genius idea. So if uh, we're going to have this uh, lesbian couple and their daughter live uh, comfortably, they're going to need a bigger place to live as uh, Kobayashi's current apartment is pretty cramped. So time to move into a new place. But first, we need to pack up and clean up the old one. And while they're cleaning, we get... Uh, Toru's amazing cleaning song where she's like cleaning cleaning la 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 beat the dust and did did destroy it clean clean everything if not death 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 do the world (laughs) (laughs) and uh while they're tidying it up tidying it up we get the first moment of a running gag with kana as uh like i mentioned she's always just like doing something in the background while characters are talking so while Kobayashi and Toru are having a conversation, Kana just like uh, sees a little butterfly that lands on her finger, and then just out of nowhere, she just she just eats it. <laughs> <laughs> She's a growing little dragon girl. You know? <laughs> just gotta, gotta eat, eat whatever you can that lands on your finger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also get uh, another bit where uh, Toru gives out to Kobayashi about how sloppy she is. You know, not picking up your trash, leaving clothes lying around, etc. You know, you know what if Kana picks up on this? You're being a bad influence to our baby dragon, Miss Kobayashi. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's uh, that's what happens when you live by yourself, right? Right, right. You're just living by yourself, and next thing you know, you're eating butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Though, uh, Koyashi turns this around on Toru by saying uh, she does this so that uh, Toru can show off her mighty maid skills. And, of course, Toru buys it, because uh, it's Kobayashi complimenting her. Why wouldn't she buy it? Yeah, why wouldn't she? So another great bit here while they're uh, packing up is uh, Toru and Kana find uh, a photo album of a young Kobayashi, and then uh, Toru gets a glimpse of it, and she's all like, Chibi Kobayashi! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those dead fish eyes are killing me. They're so cute. Aw, like, it's it's the natural reaction. And she's right, because, like, like if you remember those pictures, little baby Kobayashi is so adorable, because she still has the same face and expression, even when she was, like, five or something. Barely changed in all these years. No. <laughs> she just got taller. <laughs> I'm almost reminded of, I'm almost reminded of, like, that comment from, like, Carl Pilkington, like, ever since I was a baby, I was, I, like, my mother said I was frowning before I could walk. <laughs> <laughs> So with cleaning and packing all done, Kobayashi and company move into their new place, and their new life can truly begin. And how do you break in a new home? Why, with a housewarming party, of course. Also, Kobayashi needs to, needs an excuse to get out of her work's uh, flower viewing party. You know, she's just like, ah, I don't want to drink among my co-workers. I want to drink at home where I'm comfortable. <laughs> Let's throw a party. <laughs> so Kobayashi invites Takia, much to Toru's chagrin, and Toru invites a couple of her friends, too. First up is Fafnir, played here by Garrett Storms, who initially shows up in his dragon form, like, before changing it to his human form. 
like how love how like uh, they open the door, you see a dragon, and then Toro just immediately nope closes the door, <laughs> and then just like kind of sneaks out and says like no transform into the picture I show you. He's like Ugh, fine. Does she give him a manga of like Black Butler because yeah. he just he comes in and he's like and he's like this like butler guy. Yeah, he's now he's one hell of a butler. I'm gonna look like Sebastian here. <laughs> And that doesn't end there because uh, in Japanese, uh, apparently his voice actor is uh, Daisuke Ono, who played Sebastian in the Japanese version Are of you Black kidding? Butler. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my god, that's 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 spot on. That is spot on right there. I'm just kind of thinking like, ah oh man, what if like the dub would have gotten uh, J. Michael Tatum to play him in the dub? Ooh, that would have been the cherry on top. Like, yeah, that'd be kind of wondering like, ah, I'm just thinking like, why didn't they go with that? Like, would have would the joke been too obvious for him to go with, or was Tatum just too busy? Maybe it would have been a little too obvious. Yeah, but, no, but he still portrayed pretty well here. Yeah, though. nonetheless, Garrett Storms does a really good job. Yeah, really sells Fafnir's uh, total like antisocial, misanthropic, neat personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's fitting for the for the character of like Fafnir from like myth and stuff. Is this, it, wasn't he, like, a dragon from Beowulf that, like, sat atop, like, a treasure hoard? Yes, he uh, hoarded treasure, and then he would kill anyone who would uh, try to take said treasure. I, I love how that, I love how, like, a, a dragon hermit that sits upon a pile of treasure is translated here to, like, a Hikikomori. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a hoarder. <laughs> a hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yep, and we should also mention here that uh, Fafnir, not a fan of humans. Like, he kind of hates him. Like, if you remember the phone call Toro had in the first episode, that was him on the other line saying, kill all humans. Right, right. But, oh, maybe he's a little grumpy, too, that he's not near his horde. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a little grumpy pants. Yeah. And next up is another new dragon, Quetzalcoatl, but you can call her Lukua, played here by Jamie Markey. And sweet Hitomi Jacob, Batman. Oh, <laughs> my God. The holy... The, she, what, what, the holy grail... To buck some cosplayers out there. Jeez, thoughts We've on, got Lukua. Thoughts on Lukua and her appearance. <laughs> I love that we're blocking off so, we're something specific here for her. <laughs> um, well, uh, she's the typical... She, she's probably one of the favorite characters of the author here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a per, she's a fine example of uh, the uh, buxom heights that uh, this author will go to for some characters. I can think of two reasons. At least one character per series, yeah. I imagine. I can think of two reasons why he likes her. Just two reasons. <laughs> two big reasons. Left left one and right one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but uh, God, but God though, uh, she is she well beloved among cosplayers. Oh, like, absolutely. Even even now that the show's been out for so long, you still see like a Lukua cosplayer at conventions. Yeah, and, stuff. and it's an easy one. All you need is like, I know it's it's super easy too. You just need like. You just need, like, clothing that's, like, one or two sizes too small. Yeah, typically a black tank top. Dragon horns. And a ball cap. Ball cap, and maybe, like, a green wig, and that's it. And, yeah, and just thigh highs and booty shorts, and that's it. Exactly. Super easy. Yeah. Also, it's, it's economical. Yeah. Also, goddamn, Luke, Luca's ass is falling out of her booty shorts. Like, I couldn't get over that while watching this. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, lady. Uh, Getting a hungry bum there. I, I can see her being a fun cosplay for uh, some woman out there. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, very empowering, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I've seen a lot of, like, Luca cosplayers in... In many conventions I've been to since uh, the series came out. Right, they all seem to like genuinely love the character and like love the costume and stuff. Yeah, and like I've even asked for pictures of them and they're all like, yeah, definitely take pictures and stuff. Yeah, they like all that. seem like, very, yeah, they all seem to like really love the character. Yeah, so good on them. Yeah. yeah. 
So uh, on to the party, and uh, some notable bits during this is uh, Fafnir getting super into playing this kind of like Dark Souls-looking game with Takia, <laughs> while Takia is trying to coach him in how to play it. I, I give credit to the animators for actually doing a good job of like make of making like a 3D model like ripoff of Dragon Dark no Dark Souls. Yeah, within this anime, good job. Yeah, and also just like Takia saying like, "Hey, come on, do that." Do this, watch out for that, drop your shield, here's a pro tip, see what I mean? <laughs> and also, uh, while talking with uh, Lukuo, while the rest of them are all like, kind of having conversations, uh, Toru brings up, uh, references a little story from Lukuo's past about how she was a goddess, but then she drank some cursed alcohol. One thing led to another, but da 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 da, -da. don't talk about that, we don't want, we don't want to bring that up story, you know? I guess, because the, because the, uh, well, I totally will, because uh, <laughs> I learned about this in college. No, but uh, part of uh, Quetzalcoatl's myth is that uh, at one point he got um, he got uh, pretty drunk on a sort of like uh, uh, milky liquor that is uh, found within the uh, Mesoamerican um, uh, countries and stuff, and he uh, ended up betting his um, sister, like his priestess, like sister and stuff. And um, texts are a little vague, but like they're typically interpreted. As, uh, it's typically interpreted that, like, he committed incest in there and stuff. Oh. And then he was, uh, punished by his, um, punished by his father or something like that? Or, like, a chief god and stuff. I think it was that, yeah. Yeah, punished and, um, I believe killed. No, 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 wait. I think he was placed within a coffin, self-immolated, and his ashes rose up into the heavens, I believe. Yeah, and, uh, stricken of their, uh, god status, right? Yeah, something like that. Well, he's kind of, he was kind of already dead. At yeah, that I mean, point like it's stuff, a, you know? he was a foregone god conclusion. that could die and you yeah. know go off into the sky and stuff. You know, uh, you know, just I'm just uh, flexing my art history, <laughs> my art history minor here. <laughs> it's kind of what I am. Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely come to our podcast. You can learn stuff like this every time you listen to an episode. Yeah, the more you know. <laughs> the only the only mystery that I have here is uh, why it was why Lukua is named after like a male like wind and knowledge deity from like Mesoamerican cultures. Yeah, it's not very uncommon in some anime where they name like uh, male uh, gods or like spirits or whatnot in turn and then make them uh, female in the shows. Right. Like right. I've seen that in like say like shows like Noragami and stuff like that. Right, right. And it works here, too, because, like, Quetzalcoatl was, like, associated with... I, I believe he was associated to some degree with serpents. Yeah. And I'm sure many certain amount of people don't mind at uh, Luqua being what she's like in this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, party goes off without a hitch, and now we have two new dragons added to the mix. Which now brings us to episode four. Kana goes to school. Not that she needs to. Kana's been interested in watching the school kids walking to and from school, and this leads to her wanting to go to school as well. I like to call this uh, episode Kana's Tales of a Third Grade Nothing right here. <laughs> so first things first, Kana needs school supplies, and according to the list Kobayashi has, she needs quite a lot, which Toru thinks is a total conspiracy between the school and the manufacturers. Uh, if only these uh, manufacturers can throw teachers a bone here and help them with getting school supplies. Oh, yeah. Kind of work that's... that conspiracy in their favor, you know? Oh, yeah, I've got a few friends in teaching that could uh, attest to that. <laughs> so Kobayashi tries to buy Kana, you know, plain, simple school supplies, but uh, Kana ha is having none of it as she wants uh, cute school supplies. You know, most kids like that, they really want the notebooks with their favorite cartoon characters or pencils with the logos of your favorite sports teams. Want and the Batman backpack. <laughs> yeah, I need the Batman backpack or the Pokemon backpack. I don't care if the design doesn't matter. I want that backpack, Mom. I want that I want that sweet Thanos eraser. <laughs> I want that Iron Man pencil case where he's fighting Captain America. No, no, no. no. 
Think about it. Thanos Eraser. Ah, ah. You didn't catch it. <laughs> uh, this brings back memories from back when I was in elementary school wanting all it the does pop a bit, like stuff. Of all the, of all the school shopping you would do when you were a kid. All yeah. the stupid crap you would want here and there. Yeah, like, it doesn't affect any of your schoolwork. It's just a purely cosmetic. Just shows other kids what you're into. It's like, hey kids, check it out. I love uh, I love the Minnesota Vikings as stated by my Minnesota Vikings pencils that'll probably break after 10 uses. <laughs> you like my Star Wars Trapper Keeper? Yeah, I, I like Star Wars too, just like every other kid in this room. <laughs> oh yeah, oh man, if that were like in 2001, it'd be like, oh yeah, episode one, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, he's totally gonna be great. I'm not gonna regret this later in life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, next kind of needs a backpack and she chooses a, chooses a red one. Cursed backpacks soak in the blood of humans. Mm, Blood of humans. Ah, very nice. Which, by the way, 38,000 yen. Jesus Christ. Ooh, what does that translate to? Roughly about uh, $380 American. Jesus. (laughs) Fuck. I hope it's the best damn backpack in the world. Kana, you've got expensive taste, girl. And again, it's soaked in the blood of humans, you know? It's gotta be expensive. It it better be. (laughs) And we get a moment of Koyashi uh, getting deep here as uh, when they're getting some uh, school uniform stuff, uh, Toru comments on everything looking the same. And Kobayashi brings up how uh, they have to be that way because, you know, if you look different, they'll eliminate you. They all seem the same to me. That's the point. They want the kids to all wear the same things so they'll all look the same. Why would they want that? Hmm. So no one feels different? Boys, girls, new students, everyone is supposed to be exactly the same as everyone else. That's a big deal. And what happens when you're different from everyone else? They eliminate you. It sucks. I know it might be different for dragons, but humans aren't that accepting of people who are different from them. That's ludicrous. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The truth is, people are just terrified. They fear anything different. I kind of understand. Like, kind of a surprisingly deep scene here. In an episode where you're just kind of, like, getting school surprise for your dragon baby. I know, like, just dropping a little bit of, like, life here. Yeah, and yeah, I'll splice you in the scene because it's, like, it's a pretty good one. But uh, to lighten the mood, we get a cute bit here where uh, Kana sleeps with her backpack on, but uh, she's struggling because it's like one of those thick backpacks, so she just like, she can't lay on her back. (laughs) She's gonna give herself back problems at like age seven. Yeah, so she's like tossing and turning and then she just immediately gives up and just throws it off (laughs) off the side. So time for Kana's first day of school, and Toru's there to keep an eye on her. What a helicopter parent. <laughs> oh, yeah, you just know she's going to torch a kid. It's <laughs> Give out to the teacher by saying, like, uh, 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 you're not teaching my my child uh, the right way. You need to do it like this. This is how to give them an enriching school experience. Oh, you haven't seen worse yet until you've seen some of the mothers in JoJolian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, just you wait. One oh, day, man. One day. Things are looking to be uh, going well, and Khan is making a lot of friends in the process, except for one who is uh, not too accepting of her at first. That being Rico Saikoa, played here by Sarah Ragsdale. You see, she doesn't like Khan because she thinks she's just so cute, she wants to hug her forever, and she doesn't like that. So she challenges her, challenges her to a fight, and then... <laughs> Saikoa, brah! 
You're making Kana cry, brah. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't do that to Kana. Yeah, she's like challenging her to a fight, and then Kana just starts crying at him, just like, and then she's all like, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't mean that, please, let's just be friends. Here, have some candy, please don't be mad at me. She's probably more crying because she was thinking like, oh, I didn't want to kill anybody today, but... <laughs> This bitch is making me force my hand. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to get my hands dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do that on the first day. I wanted to save that for at least months down the line. <laughs> but yeah, Psycho immediately apologizes and says she was just being mean because she just wants to be friends and she was just being stupid. Yeah. And so kind of ends up making another new friend and one that she'll definitely be the closest to. So kind of had a great first day, all things considered, you know. So after that, we get to uh, another great segment in the episode, as it starts off with the aftermath of what it looked to have been a huge battle involving the dragons. <laughs> Why? How? Why and how did things get like this? Let's back up a day here, as uh, Luko and Fafnir are hanging out with Kobayashi and Toru, as Kana comes home with a crying Saikawa. Turns out they were walking home, and Saikawa got into a bit of an argument with some of these uh, teenage bullies playing dodgeball, and this <laughs> leads to her challenging them to a dodgeball game for the control of the park. It's so petty. I just love this. This just Psycho just, like, pissing off these teenage boys. It's like, what have they got to prove? And then she's, like, trying to, like, uh, taunt them, saying, like, oh, you're afraid of a little girl? You're gonna go home and cry to mommy? Uh. I know, she's, she's just taunting them with, like, really weak stuff, too. And she's just like, oh, yeah, you a bunch of duty heads? You a bunch of poo-poo heads? And the guys are just like, fuck, bitch, what you fucking say to me? Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna come bro, at me? Bro, get back, get hold, back. Hold me back, hold me back, bro, hold me back. Dude, she's, bro, she's not worth it. She's not worth it. <laughs> oh, really? You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? All right, we'll settle this in a dodgeball match. Tomorrow, bring your friends, or be there, be square. Oh, we'll see you, we'll see you. We'll show you who's boss. But the uh, only problem is uh, none of the other kids in the class want to help Saikoa because she's not very popular considering she's a bit of a brat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, never fear Saikoa, as a cute dragon maid, her goth Lolita dragon daughter, Sebastian Michaelis, and Busty Sinclair are here to help. And the dragons proceed to massacre the bullies in a game of dodgeball. <laughs> just like, with throwing balls as hard as they can, just like, knocking them out. <laughs> And this is after Kobayashi told him to hold back and not kill them. <laughs> so they pretty much beat them with an inch of their lives with a giant volleyball. <laughs> Kobayashi must be looking at this group and just getting ideas in her head and being all like, Gang, hear me out. <laughs> you ever seen the film Dodgeball, an underdog story? <laughs> I think there's money to be made here. Oh man, we gotta go to Vegas. <laughs> Take down Ben Stiller and his, uh, and his Cobras. <laughs> But uh, after they uh, defeat the dodgeball bullies and win control of the playground, uh, they're not done. They're kind of all, you know, a little amped up. They really want to keep going. So they play dodgeball amongst themselves and turn the playground into a fucking battlefield, <laughs> destroying everything in sight. <laughs> all while Kobayashi and Saikawa are just standing there shocked and shocked and all at all this happening while they're just killing each other. <laughs> That must have been enough to back off the Globo Gym Purple Cobras. <laughs> Guys, I know we want I know we want Average Joe's gym. There's just no way we're gonna lose against Kobayashi's dragons. <laughs> I directed Tropic Thunder. <laughs> 
But uh, luckily, uh, the playground can be fixed as uh, Lukua has the power to fix everything. So yeah, thanks, Chesty LaRue. What did we learn here? Uh, don't get into dodgeball matches that you can't win. Yes, and? Uh, average Joe's gym is the best gym around. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if they have dragons. (laughs) So, on to episode five, Toru's Real World Lessons. She thinks she understands it already. So, it's been about two months since Toru came into Kobayashi's life at this point. And we see that uh, Toru's mating has gotten a lot better as of late. You know, she's a lot better at cleaning and all that kind of stuff. She's not getting weird or over the top with a lot of her stuff. Refining her craft. Yeah. Kind of knowing how to know how to really maid it up. And since she's wrapped up on her maid duties for now and no one else is around because Kana's at school and Kobayashi's at work, Toru goes in and checks on Kobayashi. Because, like, you know, I mean, what else is she going to do to pass the time during the day? Watch daytime television? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I don't know, do they get Lifetime over <laughs> in Japan? <laughs> Maybe they can watch, like, Bumblebee Man on TV. <laughs> <laughs> we now return to Donde Esta Justice. <laughs> es Ford Escort es tu, lio, es tu Limon. No, 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 no es tu Limon. Es Carlos Fuerte. <laughs> limon Fuerte, Limon Fuerte, Limon. Ay, 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 mi estómeno. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay! Mon burro amoroso! <laughs> Ugh, daytime TV is muy estupido. <laughs> <laughs> so Tura goes to Kobayashi's office and hides herself using perception blocking. And she sees that Kobayashi is getting chewed out by her bossy chief. Uh, he's no Mr. Tone from Agretzko, but he's still a jerk ass. Yeah, yeah. And Tura doesn't like it, not one bit, so she takes vengeance on him by repeatedly tripping him over and over again. Hey, I mean, if you had the power of invisibility and could infiltrate, like, the boss of, like, your, you know, would-be lover's boss, <laughs> then, yeah, you'd probably want to fuck around a bit. Oh, God, I would do the same thing, just, like, mess with people and, like, tripping them repeatedly. I would do the exact same thing. Oh, yeah, it'd be great. You'd just be, like, photocopying your ass all day. <laughs> it would show nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know what they say about karma with this guy. <laughs> And after the workday is done, Kobayashi goes to head home, and Toru's about to do the same, but Kobayashi calls her out, seemingly knowing she was there the whole entire time. Actually, she didn't, and she just took a wild guess, and Toru was just like, yeah, he caught me. <laughs> and they're ready to go home. Cool. Wanna go home? Or rather, wanna go scissor? <laughs> <laughs> I think this would be a good time to talk about, uh, reference to what I said there is, uh, a while back, a few months ago, director Kyle Phillips uploaded uh, bloopers and outtakes from the show onto his uh, YouTube page. And then one of them is like a scene where like uh, they take that scene, but instead of uh, Leah Clark saying, ready to go home, she says, uh, want to go scissor? <laughs> and then we hear us... Oh, how have I not seen this yet? Ah, oh, man, you gotta see it. I retweeted it on the Twitter page. The bloopers are super hilarious for the show. It's like, God, I wish they were on the Blu-ray release itself, because like... Any anime DVD should always have bloopers, especially if they're really funny like these ones are. Well, you would think we would learn from, like, way back when, when, like, Berserk came with, uh, the original Berserk anime came with bloopers, and they were, like, the funniest thing ever. Yeah, or, like... Because, you know, big, big shock when you get a bunch of actors together that many of which have improv experience in the past and make mistakes in the booth, you get comedy gold. Yeah. Or, like, when people think about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, like, say, yeah, it's a great show and all, but uh, the one thing people remember about... Is the blooper reel? <laughs> even the even the berserk like uh, even the three berserk films they made each came with a blooper reel for crying out loud. Learn from berserk, okay? <laughs> yeah. So like 
yeah, the the Dragon May bloopers are great, especially uh, a lot of them are just people throwing in, like, outtakes and bombs to uh, Sarah Wiedenhef and her just, like, laughing at all the weird stuff people say to her. <laughs> and, like, like, I'll splice in some of my favorite ones, and they're really great. During uh, I'll splice in some during the break. Anyway, later on, since uh, we find out that Fafnir is going to be continuing to live in this world, but uh, he's going to need a place to stay, and Toru's going to be the one to help him out with it, because, you know, if she can do it, he can too. So while Toru is helping out Fafnir find a place, he brings up how he's noticed that she's been getting pretty acclimated to the human world, and if she'll ever be able to bring herself to go back to her old life of fighting and killing humans. Toru has no intention of going back and plans on staying here with Kobayashi, though Fafnir does bring up the eventuality that, you know, Kobayashi will die and humans don't live as long as dragons. But uh, Toru says she'll accept that and just enjoy the time she has now with Miss Kobayashi. And after that, we uh, head back to Fafnir's living situation as he's going to have trouble finding a place to live, especially since there isn't a single human he can get along with in this world. Except there is one. As Toru gets the idea of having him room with Takia, as, you know, they got pretty chummy during the uh, housewarming party, might as well let him live with Takia. Ah, uh, kindred spirits here. Also, Fafnir just wanted a place to play more video games. <laughs> kindred spirits. Ah, uh, very nice. And, and their relationship is another one that, while we don't get too much of it, the stuff we do get is also very sweet. It's, it's, they just got, like, an ideal roommate situation thing yeah. going on here, where they both have, like, some interests, and sure, they may not get in their way too long, but, like, they still respect each other a bit, quite a bit, and uh, value each other's time. Yeah. I had a room, like, I, my first roommate ever that I've ever had, I had a relationship with like that. We were yeah. super cool with each other. Yeah, it's also, re it's really great. So, before the end of the episode, we get a segment all about Toru uh, trying to learn how to uh, bend a spoon. Like, you remember this? We're like, after we, oh, we settle Fafnir's living situation, we get, like, uh, Toru and Kana watching, like, uh, magicians, like, do spoon bending tricks, and they're like, whoa, how, the, how do they do that? What is this mysticism that we're seeing on screen right here? <laughs> and then she goes through, like, this karate kid, like, training montage to try to, like, figure out how to bend spoons with their mind and stuff like that. It's pure funny fan service here. It is. It's just super great, especially the bit where, like, you know, you're sitting under a waterfall to kind of have, like, concentration and everything like that. And then, like, a big log just falls down and just hits Toru on the head, and she's just like, what? What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some other segments I should mention from this episode uh, involve Kana and Satkawa bonding at school, so more bonding. And all of them are great because they end with uh, Saikawa having what I can only describe as a lovegasm. <laughs> Where she just like screams and she's all blushy and you have like a little heart in her mouth. And it's just so, it's so funny. She's like the youngest gay I've ever seen in like an anime ever. Like my god, they're starting younger now. Start your gays younger, folks. <laughs> that was exactly what she is at that age, man. Good uh, for her. Good she's, for her. She, she must have really understanding parents. She she really discovered herself at a young age. Yeah, good for her. Good you know, for, her. for me, it took me until many years later to find out that I swung both ways. But, you know, if you can find out at a young age, you know, it's really good. Especially when you got good parents that are super understanding. Yeah, so, uh, hey, speaking of Kana and Saikawa, it's on to episode 6, Home Visit, and Home's Not Visited. On this episode, Saikawa invites Kana to play at her house, and she tells her she has a maid too. So Kana can invite Toru and Kobayashi to talk maid stuff with her maid. And introductions are due as we meet the maid Saikawa was talking about, Georgie, played here by Felicia Angel. And upon seeing Georgie, Kobayashi is immediately enamored with her as she's now in the presence of an honest-to-goodness maid, like a real one, not, not you know, not Toru and her fake maid stuff. <laughs> you know, cosplay maid is not a real maid, Toru. <laughs> and while Kobayashi's marking out, uh, Kana and Saikawa go on their little play date. 
And first up, they play Twister, and <laughs> Saikawa can't handle it because she keeps rubbing up against Kana, and she's just like, you know, messing her up a bit, going like, "Oh man, I can't be this close to Kana. It's it's too much for my heart." Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is funny, but like, I think the camera gets a little hungry for Kana. At yeah, some they, in the it, series. It, it's one of the only knocks I will give against the series is that the camera gets a little uh, hungry yeah. for Kana at times. Yeah, it gets it does get a little weird. And it, may, it makes it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the only like weird thing about the direction of the show is right. Right, I guess you got to partly chalk that up to the writer too or writers being, or writers being just weird with kana in yeah. general next at, at times next up they play video games and kana has a seat on saikawa's lap you see she wants to have a relationship with saikawa just like uh, what kobayashi and toru have and uh, it gets really sweet here as uh, saikawa brings up how she really does like kana and like you know maybe she wants to even marry her one day oh yeah her puppy love is still kind of cute it's like god stop being so cute you two <laughs> And it's just, like, made even... It's also made fun... It's sweet and funny because, like, uh, Saiko is being all lovey-dovey with Kana, and Kana just still has her same stoic expression while just she's... playing away on Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this whole entire scene of, like, them just, like, being together and, like, kind of being all cutesy and almost lovey-dovey is... Uh, it kind of reminds me of a scene from uh, this manga series I've been really getting into called uh, Kase-san, where they have a very similar scene where, like, it's about uh, two girls that eventually become girlfriends, and uh, one of them invites the other to uh, hang out in their room, and it's just them kind of being all cutesy and stuff. And even eventually ending a similar way where one gets on, like, on top of the other. <laughs> <laughs> but, Similarities, I can see. Yeah. But uh, before Kana can get really close with Saikawa, they're interrupted by Kobayashi and Georgie getting wild into their May fanaticism so uh record scratch here yeah let's let's maybe nip that in the bud as quickly as we can yeah okay <laughs> this is a this is a pg show as i as i recall maybe is it actually i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and also here we find out that uh, georgie isn't actually like a real mage he's actually just a uh, saikawa's older sister who's a huge maid mark like kobayashi mm, okay so afterwards, uh, Saikawa lays in her bed wondering uh, what was Kana going to do to her earlier when she was like on top of her. Well, you see, it's quite simple as she merely wanted to f Dragon style. <laughs> Back to Fafnir as he's not the only new dragon who decided to stick around in this world as uh, Lukawa is also staying here too. Just like he is. Why not? Let's get all the dragons in in this human world thing. Yeah, they like bring all in the dragons. Bring in your dragons. And she actually already has a place to say too. As it uh, turns out, Lukua, out of curiosity, let herself get summoned by a child, and she's now staying with him and his family. Though there's a bit of a misunderstanding with them. Like, uh, the kid thinks uh, Lukua is a demon, so uh, she brings in uh, Kobayashi and Toru to kind of like meet him and uh, clear things up a bit, you know, clear the air. And, ooh, he's such a cutie! Oh, yeah, introducing <laughs> Shota, played here by Allison Victorin, who's so freaking adorable. Everybody, like, gets crazy about Kana, but I look at this little guy and I'm all like, ooh, he's such a cute little button. He is, just, oh, you just want to pinch his cheeks and oh, rub his hair. Oh, he's embarrassed of her, too. He's like, oh, he's so fidgety and awkward, and just like, oh, you're, just, ooh, you're so precious. Oh, my God. <laughs> Also, uh, another thing about him is that he's a mage, along with his parents. Oh, and he thinks he's a little magician, too. Do magic. Aww. Oh. <laughs> and I never feel this way about, like, kid characters and, like, nah, anime not really. ever. Not really me, either. No, not really. Because, like, I don't know, like, in my experiences, they're often just brought around for, like, humor or something. Or just, like, you know, 
you know, be cute for, like, the parents and stuff. Like, I don't know, what, what, like, what was that little girl in um, uh, Full Metal Alchemist and stuff? Uh, the Hughes girl, the Hughes daughter. Hughes yeah, daughter. Wasn't yeah. it? Alicia? Yeah, Alicia and stuff. Yeah, screw her. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't feel anything for her. I felt a lot for her father and the yeah. fatherly <laughs> love he felt for her and the love she felt for her father, but, like, screw her. <laughs> but this is, like, the... I don't know, like, I've never had, like, such a gut, visceral, like, feeling of, like, cuteness and adorableness that I get from Shota here. The only other, like, anime kid character I can say comes close to, like, getting me, getting the same reaction to me as Shota does is, uh, most recently, uh, a character named Phil in The the Promised Neverland. Mm, but other right. than that, like, I can't think of any other kid characters that make me go, oh, you're so adorable, you. I know. I get. I, it's almost. It's almost stronger than Kana. It's about almost as strong as like the yeah. cuteness you feel from Kana. Yeah. Even though he's not as. Even though he's not as like frilly dressed up or anything and stuff and like you know as like you know demure as she is and stuff. No, he's just this little awkward fidgety boy with like a mop top haircut. And, oh my god! You could just eat him right up. Yeah. And also, I just love how, uh, you know, him and his parents are mages, and, like, you know, whenever, when Kobayashi found out that dragons existed, Kobayashi just accepts this and doesn't ask any questions. And, uh, so, uh, we talked about Shota here, uh, what do you think of his relationship between, uh, him and Lukua? <laughs> it's certainly a weird one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's, it's sort of like a big sister, little brother relationship. In a way. Kinda. <laughs> but it's in that, but it's in that kind of, like... Japanese culture way where like they could, they could still be like really really close with yeah. each other in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know there's still sort there's still sort of there's still sort of this um there's still something cute about it though, you know. The way Luca is just like, you know, just t- is like just takes pleasure in like embarrassing him and stuff, you know. Yeah, she she kind of babies him in a way, like yeah, uh, she does baby him a little bit, and like it makes for like some really cute moments. Yeah, she doesn't take him too seriously, and it also helps that uh, Jamie Markey, whenever uh, her performance when she's talking to uh, Shota, she kind of puts on a bit of a baby voice when she's like, "Oh, aren't you just the sweetest?" Yeah, Shota baby. That's yeah, I love that. Him. I love that she calls him that. <laughs> Almost like a, or maybe she's even almost like a stepmom to him or something. In a way. Really trying to warm up to him. Trying to be the cool mom, you know? I'm a cool mom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and another thing. uh, Apparently it turns out that uh, Shota's dad is the director of the company Kobayashi works at. So, eh, small world, huh? How does an alchemist, like, mage become, like... (laughs) Runs a computer company? (laughs) What's the point? (laughs) He, like, has magic. Like, even Shota mentions this, where, like, Luca was saying, like, hey, I can give you money, and he's like, oh, my dad knows alchemy. We can make as much money as we want. (laughs) (laughs) Why does he need a job? Why why does he need a job? Why doesn't he just fucking make make some gold and, like... Support his workers and stuff and give him higher wages and shit. <laughs> yeah, Kobayashi should be wondering, like, hey, why can't he get a raise, pal? Fucking alchemist. That's all they ever fucking cared about is just, like, I want to make, I want to make, a, I want to turn lead into gold and I want to hoard it myself like a greedy fucking dragon. Uh, uh, you see, I can't give you any raises because, um, uh, uh, it in exchange. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to, uh, give up to give you your, uh, your raise. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's it. That's it. Alchemy was so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Come that on, was... man. Just, like, clap your hands together and make me money. No, it was cool full metal. Because, uh, Hiramu, or whatever her name is, made it cool. Yeah. Like, just, the original idea was just so fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, just a bunch of dumb scientists who just wanted to get rich and not share any of their money. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm sorry, I had to have a laugh about that. Oh man, is giving raises on par with human transmutation to you? You can't do it? <laughs> is it a sin against the, the code of alchemy? <laughs> uh, and like, you know, just like finding out that uh, dragons exist, mages exist, and that uh, your director of your job is also mage, Kobayashi just like, whatever, just accepts it. <laughs> but they'll probably still butter that you can't get a raise. <laughs> You know, she'll grumble about that in work. Just yeah. like, sorry, well, like her supervisor will just come in and announce to the team, like, sorry, everybody, we're not getting our raises this year. And she's just grumbling, like, guy can turn fucking lead into gold, <laughs> but he can't spare a few raises for his workers. <laughs> so, meanwhile, back with Fafnir, it looks like he's getting along really well with Takia. And we get to see, like, all their bonding together over, like, nerd stuff, like video games, idols, and all other stuff. Like, like, when it comes to idols, he's kind of teaching them to do, like, you know, call-in responses and kind of, like, similar cheers and dances you do at, like, idol concerts. And you see Fafnir practicing them in the uh, in the park. <laughs> it's all really super nice. And also, like, how they play, like, uh, MMOs together and they have, like, their own separate computers and they're still chatting to each other in, like, the chat room and all that. Aww. <laughs> and the episode closes with Fafnir giving a bit of a speech about how humans can be either hits or misses. And most humans he's met were mostly misses. Takia, on the other hand, he's a hit. Aww. Aww. See, he's, he's developing. And they also kind of share, uh, do a bit of a lover's umbrella near the end, too. Kind of sharing an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're at the halfway point of the show, so we're going to take a short break. And we'll be right back with more of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Main. But in the meantime, enjoy some of my favorite outtakes. Great choice, Kana. I had a feeling you'd go with a cute... I had a feeling you'd go with a curse back. This <laughs> How'd you jump to that? And what about this? Come on, it's obvious. That is a tool for slave f***ing. Slave f***ing. Yes, but how did you know? I guess I just kind of... But what the f***? I can't talk. You got it. Something makes me think maybe Fafnir's decision to stay here was... <laughs> Damn it! Something made me think... Uh... I wanted to learn more. More about you, I mean. And I did. Hmm. Cool. Wanna go scissor? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Is that me? Yes! Your dragon form looks like a Takashi Oyama to- <laughs> To me! Whoa, looks like I'm not the only one who takes on too much. <laughs> I've been wanting to see what Miss Kobayashi is like at work. Shh, damn it. <laughs> After I told my maid about it, she said she would really love to meet her. She wants to talk maid shop and that kind of stuff. So, does that sound okay to you? F*** it. <laughs> F it. And if it's no trouble, I'd love to have your help again this winter! <laughs> oh hell no! I'm done with this <laughs> Uh-oh. An inciting incident. It's on! Ready to get your ass pounded?! <laughs> yeah! Hurry up! <sighs> hey! 
Hey, you're such a bitch. Well, sh girl, you know what I do? <laughs> Take the day off for me, please. Sorry, I can't do that. Kana, Miss Shit. <laughs> Kana. You're completely useless at work. So much that they've even announced they didn't need you to be in their way right now. <laughs> You're completely useless at work. So much so they <laughs> You're completely useless at work. So much so that they've even announced I can't do it. <laughs> if you say so, I'm going to take a shit. Okay! Oh, yeah! So, um, who was on the phone? None of your business. Shut the f up. <laughs> Are you shopping for dinner tonight, Toru? Oh, Mr. Tatsta! Yes, but this chicken is expensive, don't you think? <laughs> well, that's because it's locally raised, free-range, and organic. Like my cock! I didn't suppose you could give me a discount? Sorry, it's already priced as low as I can go. My cock is... Not even a little discount? I can't. If I go any lower than this, I'll be losing money. Because I sell my cock. But I do want to thank you for doing the Christmas show. Uh, so I could give you some off on these uh, cuts. Cock cuts. Average! Average cuts would defeat the point. The point of what? My dick. Hmm, hangovers suck. thought that much about. I wonder what I was like before. I've already forgotten. I'm very happy. Right in this moment. This is incredible! I love you, Miss Kobayashi! You gonna eat me? No, not like that! But I can't put a label on what I feel for you! We're back with what you've all been waiting for. Beach episode! You all knew this was coming. Oh, absolutely. So, episode 7, Summer Staples. The fan service episode, frankly. <laughs> uh, even even more honest this time around. Yes. So, Kobayashi, Toru, and Kana spend the day at the beach. Lukua and Shota are joining them too, and holy shit, what is Lukua not wearing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Skimpy doesn't even begin to describe Lukua's swimsuit here. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I've seen skimpier in some cases. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> well, 
In most other anime, it's always worse. <laughs> but I love how she gets... I've seen straight up, like, string-type stuff, you know. <laughs> but I love how she gets immediately called on, out on it by beach security saying, like, Hey, you need to cover up. This is a family beach, miss. Really? Well, I kind of don't believe that, that anybody would do anything like that. <laughs> Unless Japanese beaches are, like, different like that. It's like, Miss, have you ever heard of a nude beach? Maybe that would be more your, uh, more on your level. It's like, come on, lady, don't, like, slut-shame my dragon here. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's looking forward to having a good time at the beach, except for Kobayashi, as she's not much of a fan. You know, it's hot, I burn, and sand gets everywhere. Coarse rough and gets everywhere. Uh, what do you think of the beach? Fan or not a fan? The beach? Um, uh, I'm sad to say I still have not been to, like, an official beach yet Aww. one day. I've never met the ocean, not once in my ah, life Ah, man, yet. you gotta get that out there. It's, it's one of my, it's one of my goals. I still, I still gotta get to the actual, legit beach. But I've been to Sandy Lake Shores, at least. That's the best you can get in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I've spent many a summer in Florida, so I've I've had my fair share of beaches, and I quite like them. Except when the except when it's one of those windy days where the waves just get too much, and you can't really enjoy soaking in the water. Right, it blows up everything. It blows sand up everywhere, and all the stuff you've laid out on the beach. Yeah, but in general, I've had very good beach experiences. Yeah. And I guess I can also relate to Kobayashi here too, as I tend to burn rather than tan. Mm, yeah. So I try to like lather up and be in low, like just. I don't want to burn at all. I don't want the sun to touch me. Just I just to... never even want to risk the skin cancer. <laughs> I can't understand people who tan like that. I just don't want to be soaking in aloe vera the entire weekend afterwards. Yeah, sorry. Melanoma is not a good look on me. <laughs> so we get all the beach activities, like the whole super Japanese thing of like splitting watermelons with like a stick on the beach. I have wanted to do that so badly that once. That looks someday. fun, actually. That looks so much fun. It's like, make sure you have, like, a tarp so, like, the melon doesn't get into the sand, but if you have that, then it'll be just perfect. I don't know, if, if it's, maybe for a Minnesota thing, it would be like a, like a wood, like a woodcutter's axe or something. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Bunyan axe. Exactly. <laughs> and also we have, uh, Toru and Kana having a super crazy swimming contest, where they, like, blow up a portion of, like, the ocean and just cause, like, a, a racka. Oh, but that's my jam right there, yeah. swimming competitions. That was super good. Mostly because I've done, like, I've done, like, swimming before and stuff, so ah. I know all the strokes. And also another fun activity is Shota getting super embarrassed by Lukua. <laughs> by, like, having her put, like, suntan lotion on him, and he's being like, No, don't, don't seduce me, you succubus. Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, come on, just why? <laughs> and another thing we have is Kana eating random things once again. <laughs> like, you see her just, like... Just in the foreground, just like looking at a crab, just crouched down, and then she just picks it up and eats a whole crab. <laughs> I can only imagine what the other beachgoers are thinking when they see like this girl who looks no more than eight years old eating a full live crab in front of you in one bite. <laughs> so soon after that, we get a bit of a conversation between Kobayashi and Toru about uh, Kobayashi's family, which uh, kind of reminds her about hers, you know, thinking about... Leaving your family behind, wondering if that's okay, if you can really live on your own. Stuff like that. It's another deep conversation here in the show. But hey, time to lighten the mood as uh, Kobayashi asks Toru, Can I ride you? Uh, no, this is another outtake. <laughs> <laughs> she means uh, ride her in her dragon form as they go out into the middle of the ocean with the rest of the gang. Kind of enjoy the sun out. We're out in the open without anybody else around. 
Avoid all the cruise ships. <laughs> lest, they, lest they see a dragon out in the water. Got a ship just passing by going like, uh, Captain, uh, dragon off the port bow. Like, oh, you're just uh, seeing things. <laughs> Skipper. And Toru and Kobayashi continue their discussion from before, and it's really good. Like, I gotta splice it in because it's a really good moment here between these two. Toru, do you think you're starting to get homesick? No, not particularly. Well, that makes one of us then. Thanks to our discussion, I feel like I need to go visit my parents. I'd like to see my parents every now and then. But it's no big deal. No? Then what's really bugging you? I thought for a second about introducing you to my parents. You can do that if you want. No, I can't. Why not? Because I'm pretty sure they'd kill you. Does seem excessive, but that's most likely just common sense in your world, huh? For sure. From my parents' point of view, I'm about as far from normal as you can get. They don't think I have any common sense to speak of. It makes me sad. Hmm. Talking to Toru about this kind of stuff is intense. And yeah, that makes me sad too. Certainly drives home the difference between understanding words and understanding each other. I've never really considered how completely different our worlds are. Although, I bet that's why I always feel like I need to cherish the time we get to spend together so much. You know what? That sounds an awful lot like independence to me. Independence? Yep. You've developed your own unique set of values, Toru. So then you mean I've become an adult? Who knows? I'm not even sure about me. Most people don't try to become adults. They just reach a point where they realize they can't stay children any longer. Ooh, that's deep, Miss Kobayashi. Got one. Oh, tiny. <laughs> Ready to head back? Sure. And especially the line that uh, Kobayashi says here where she talks about uh, adults growing up and stuff like that, where she says, most people don't try to become adults. They just reach the point where they realize they can no longer stay children. That's deep, Miss Kobayashi. Yeah, quite deep. So after the fun after we have all this uh, fun time at the beach episode, we uh, have another summer staple. Summer cons, that's what. Specifically, Summer Kamiket. Ooh, Kamiket, jeez, man. I've seen pictures of that event. It is insane. Oh, yes. Takia has invited Kobayashi and Toru to help him out at his booth, but uh, Kana can't come because, you know, there's not a lot of stuff for kids here. Yeah, because isn't, isn't, it, isn't it mostly just a giant, like, doujinshi-like sale? Ah, uh, hi. Glad you brought that up. Perfect transition here, as I had done my research on Kamiket for this. Yeah, because I'm a little bit iffy on, like, what goes down there. Yeah, so yes, Kamiket, it's a biannual doujinshi fan convention held in the Tokyo Exhibition Hall, aka the Tokyo Big Site, that began in December of 1975 and continues to run to this day, being held every August and December. Because is, doesn't it just kind of pass around, like, t isn't it just a place where, like, tons of amateurs come in trying to, like, uh, peddle their new, like, manga works? Oh, yeah, it's like a, a very much a whole grassroots DIY to fan event where, like, uh, they exhibit and sell doujin, which is basically fan-made published works. The most common thing is fan-made manga based on real anime, video games, and other manga. 
but also there's other stuff like video games, music, and clothes, and etc. and all that. Must be the single, I imagine it must be the single biggest exchange of porn <laughs> ever. Yeah, it's, like, it's basically a giant fan-run mega-swap meet for nerds. <laughs> I don't know, it looks, looks kind of cool, though, yeah. I, I do admit. Even though even though some people will totally, like, work themselves to, like, a heat stroke out there. Oh, God, especially in the summer, because... With, like, that ja- with, like, that Japanese work ethic, too? Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. Goddamn workers here. <sighs> oh, and I should also mention, uh, just to clear up any confusion on the term doujinshi... As uh, it refers, to, it's just simply refers to as self-published manga. Most people think uh, doujinshi is just specifically a term for porn manga, and while most of it is porn, <laughs> but uh, the term doesn't mean porn. You know, it just means self-published manga. Yeah, it's uh, something I learned from uh, watching Hilka, another KyoAni show. <laughs> and other stuff about Kamiket is that uh, while more than ninety percent of the booths are run by fans and amateurs, there are also corporate booths uh, for video game publishers, manga publishers, as well as celebrity meet and greets. Fascinating. And also, cosplay is another big aspect of the event, because this is where you'll find the really good cosplays. If you see, like, actual photos of, like, cosplay at Comic Kit, like, this stuff will put pro cosplayers to shame, the stuff that they do. <laughs> that is got to be something to behold. Oh, God, yes. Like, I've seen pictures of this and going, like, man, just how many man hours went into, like, making these this costume just for, like, one day out of a three-day event? Like, I think, like I say, pro cosplayers, they're pretty nuts, but I'm just like, no, these guys just, like... These guys are insane. These man. guys are like, they live and die for the art form that is cosplay. jeez. Oh, uh, I got a bit of a fun fact here. Uh, how many people do you think attend uh, Comic Cats? Like, how much uh, people do you think these uh, events draw? 500,000. Aha, uh-huh, you're right, 500,000. Oh, yes! Shot out of the yeah, dark! Just about half a million people just, like, coming in, just just coming down on this big Japanese convention hall in Tokyo. It's, it's a manga convention. Come on. Of course it'll attract, like, the size of, like, a small metropolitan city. And you have, like, I've heard stories of, like, people waiting out in lines for hours at, like, the break of dawn just to, like, get a chance to get into this place. And even then, while they're still in the hall, they're just, like, shoulder to shoulder with other nerds trying to, like, buy all this, like, fan-made merch. I wonder how many casualties the sun takes every year from that convention. God, I hope, like, the air conditioning is, like, blasting in that building it had better be and also you like you gotta have like vendors like every which way all around the place just to make sure people get at least water or at the very least i hope water's free like they have those coolers there for a place that big i, you, I would imagine like they would offer free beer to people yeah <laughs> forget water if you're standing out there in like a line for like two hours crack open a cold one and crack just... open a cold one and drink up let me just drink the pain away <laughs> Actually, wait, a, a big gathering of nerds like that and dropping alcohol in? Maybe no. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that might be dangerous. Okay, yeah, let's back up. And, you know, kind of watching this episode, I kind of remember that, uh, you know, since the director of the series did Lucky Star, Lucky Star did do an episode about Kami Cat, and that's how I first... Oh, they uh, did, yeah. Yeah, that's how I first heard about that, going like, oh, this seems kind of neat, and just being like, now, years later, I'm kind of thinking like, oh, this is pretty wild and nuts, this event is. But back to the episode as uh, Kobayashi's helping Takia with sales while uh, Toru's on line control duty. I do not envy the people having to work this event. Ooh, God, they, they're troopers. Like, I've been, to, I've been to Disney World during the peak summer seasons where it's, like, packed capacity, and even that doesn't compare to, like, what I've seen in this episode or pictures I've seen online. But uh, we get a little uh, brief moment uh, going back home to see what Kana's up to while everyone's uh, all at Kamiket. Pretty and trusting to have her left a home, left alone, all alone at home. Yeah, she's a latchkey kid. <laughs> but uh, she's doing a bit of uh, bug collecting for school, and uh, what she does is just basically 
eats all the bugs she finds. <laughs> like, should we get a bit where she's, like, holding up a net, sneaking up on a cicada, and then she just <laughs> bites into it? Um. <laughs> it's like, cicada, crunchy. And just writes that down for a school report. <laughs> See some little boys playing with beetles out in the public, just goes down, picks one up, like, just chomps down on it. <laughs> Costs some poor little boy a match. <laughs> Man, I sure hope Kobayashi is feeding her. <laughs> anyway, returning to Hell on Earth, I mean, Kamiket, Toru and Kobayashi check in on Fafnir as he has a booth selling uh, real curse books for like a tenner each. Like he says, like a, like a thousand yen each for like these real life curse books with real curses. <laughs> but no one's buying it. <laughs> he has no line and he's just sitting there like all annoyed, arms full of just being like, God damn, people buy my book. Come on, I wrote really hard on these two. Read this one. Avada Kedavra, the killing curse. <laughs> Crucio, the torture curse. Just like imagine some guy walking by going like, curse books, yeah, that's, that's for babies. <laughs> Fafnir, did you just rip off Harry Potter? <laughs> Give me some of this real shit. Give me real curses, man. Then I may, I may look at your wares, good sir. <laughs> Anyway, time to check out the cosplay as Toru notices three cosplayers who are actually mythical creatures from another world. Because it uh, gives them a chance to enjoy their real forms without people getting suspicious. You know, and then it uh, turns out there, there's like a lot more of these like uh, mythical creatures from other worlds just like walking around, having a good time, weaving it up at this uh, Japanese uh, manga convention. And uh, Kobayashi sees that uh, Toru's like, kind of noticing this whole thing and then she gives her permission to uh, go into her real form as well. But uh, in, a, in a nice little middle ground here as she just lets out her wings and her uh, dragon tail. Should have entered the contest out there, jeez. Yeah, but uh, she still gets a good mob of people complimenting on her cosplay <laughs> as she just has like a huge line of guys just like trying to get pictures of her just like for hours on end <laughs> during this she learns from another attendee that while this may be rough there's still a lot of fun to be had and you just gotta roll with the punches and make the most of it and so the event ends and congratulations you all survived Kamiket. so i gotta ask uh after seeing this episode seeing and hearing what i have to say about like Kamiket as a whole uh would you ever go to one absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I can't read Japanese. <laughs> well, if you could, would you? Uh, maybe once. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't want to bake for, like, eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would go there for, like, Fafnir's, like, curse book, because, you know, he might have some good curses in there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude could, dude could use some love. Like, he didn't yeah. have a very good time, you know? Give him a pity you, buy. You can, just, you can just tell he had one guy go by, and he was just like, I have seen I have seen bitter curses thrown about in a more hapless manner in a George Lopez comedy special. <laughs> Worst curse book ever. <laughs> Man, he, it looked like he took a beating. Yeah. And you have to, like, log all the unsold curse books back home and probably try to find a place to store it in their, like, mini cramped apartment that he and Takeya live in. <laughs> oh, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. As for me, would I go to one of these? <laughs> oh, hell no. Hell nah. You can't imagine anybody loving manga that much to, like, no. bake for three hours in a single line. It looks like a war zone out there. I do not want to deal with all... 500,000 nerds in a one big building. I like crowds of big, happy people, but, like, I, even I have my limits. Yeah, I'll stick to cons like Detour, thank you very much. Right up our alley. Right up our alley. So, on to episode 8, New Dragon Elma. She's finally appearing, huh? 
So while watching the show, you may have noticed that there was another character in the opening and ending, but hasn't actually shown up yet. So uh, eight episodes in, it's time to change that. But before we get to that, uh, Kana needs lunch for a school field trip. Toru offers to make it, but uh, Kobayashi wants to make it instead, and things start to get really intense. Kana's probably just thinking like, uh-oh, mommy and mommy are fighting again. <laughs> so how do we settle this? A three-round cook-off, with Fafnir, Lukawa, and Kana as judges. Hello, and you're, watch and you're watching Miss Kobayashi's Iron Chef. <laughs> <laughs> For this week, our secret ingredient is going to be Toru's own tail. How will our chefs approach the meals here today using this ingredient? Let's find out, viewers. <laughs> So, Kobe. I watch, my family watches way too much Food Network, man. Like, <laughs> this, is, this, this, this is a nightmare for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as they continue their competition, Kobayashi takes the first round. As she, uh, the first round is you have to make, like, a little salad dish, and then Kobayashi has, like, little, little cherry tomatoes while Ko Toro makes, like, this big fancy salad, but, uh, she has, she loses because it couldn't fit into Kana's lunchbox. You see, to you see Toru... Your sound is very nice, but you made it far too big. They're like fucking like like strings, like just like just like strings, like just like shooting like the background, you know. <laughs> you made it far too big, and Kobayashi, she was very economical with how she used her tomatoes in this dish for this bento. So I'm sorry, but this point has to go to Miss Kobayashi. Ah, but then Toru takes the second round as uh you have to make like a main dish, and Toru makes uh hamburg steak while uh kobayashi makes like uh eggs and bacon and takana was like no i want hamburger kobayashi you 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 used too much you you, you only went for eggs and bacon here whereas toru over here went for hamburger steak it's she used she used a very fine tomato paste for this one it complements the it complements the tenderness of the beef quite well but your eggs and bacon are leaving so much to be desired so this point has to go to toru and even Kobayashi kind of admits, like, yeah, hamburger's better. <laughs> <laughs> it did look better. Yeah, it did. It looks delicious. So it's on to the final round, and Toru really wants to win badly, and luckily, she has an ace up her sleeve. So she opens a portal to her world, goes and gets some kind of weird fruit, a fruit that Kobayashi takes a bite out of, which then tries to take a bite out of her. <laughs> <laughs> Toru, I cannot believe what you have fucking done here. <laughs> Seriously, this this dragon fruit is so raw that it's trying to chomp off a piece of my face. <laughs> I cannot fucking believe you would absolutely allow for this quality in here. I cannot even fucking eat this. Send it back right now. <laughs> so I think it's safe to say that Kobayashi won by default. <laughs> But hang on, that portal Toru opened didn't close, and out pops a mysterious creature which immediately tracks down Toru and crashes into Kobayashi's apartment. Introducing Elma, played here by Rachel Glass, and she's come to fight Toru as they're both from different dragon factions. As you see, Elma's from the Harmony faction, which values law and order, while Toru is from the opposing Chaos faction. Ah, uh, yes, the Chaos faction, you know, all the guys are there. Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, <laughs> Toru Yano, 
Tomohiro Ishii, and of course my boy Rocky Romero. It's like it's like, it's like lawful good and chaotic evil. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and there's also other many other factions like Suzuki Goon, Los Ingobernables de Japón, and of course Bullet Club. Though the latter hasn't been the same since the Elite left, to kind of in shambles at the moment. <laughs> I don't believe Jay White as a leader of a dragon faction. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, since we're introduced to a new dragon here, thoughts on Elma? Thoughts on Elma? Well, as we will soon see, she is my favorite of all these dragons. Ah. Yes, I'm saying that right now. Because, man, there is something awesome about a lady who has her life together like this. (laughs) (laughs) Because let's find out just exactly why Elma is my favorite. Alright, so it's time to fight between her and Toru. And Toru's prepared a special place for for their battle. So she opens up a portal... Elma walks through saying, hey, come on, let's fight. And then Toro just immediately closes it. <laughs> and so the next day, Elma comes back just like super pissed, like, why'd you leave me there? We were supposed to fight. And then she wants to continue her fight right now. But the only problem is she's hungry as she hasn't eaten anything since she came to this world. So Kobayashi gives her uh, some cream bread, which she absolutely loves. Like, it's something she's never had before. And she's like, oh, this is this is something from the heavens. And then she develops her characteristic sweet tooth. Yes. And then Toru lets her have the entire bag if she leaves them alone. And then she does just that. She just walks out with a bag full of cream buns. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the intrusion. What a great way to bribe off your enemy. Just give them sweets. <laughs> yeah. just Most fights would be much better if you can just bribe people with sweets. <laughs> And so the following day, Kobayashi sees that her job is bringing on a new employee, that being Elma herself. As you see, she can't go back to her world since she doesn't have enough power to open portals like Toru does, so she has to stay here and work just like everyone else. But the only problem is uh, she doesn't really know much about computers or anything like that, so Kobayashi has to pretty much do her work for her and Maybe help her out. Maybe she would have to take like a test or something to get this job. <laughs> Maybe they're Maybe her like uh, workplace is like in desperate need of like part-time help, so they're just like, uh, take on the first person who applies. We need contractors. Go go hire contractors. <laughs> so yeah, Kobayashi does help her out, and she does kind of buy her a little uh, buy her some sweets to kind of like uh, thank her and welcome her back into the uh, t- into the office. But uh, Kobayashi promises to keep helping her out since they're co-workers and all, but uh, she's got to keep this away from Toru as Toru is not a fan of Elma. Though she does seem to catch on about this as she can smell Elma scent on uh, Kobayashi when she comes home one night. It's like, are you cheating on me? Is this an office romance? (laughs) (laughs) Who is this hoochie? I want a name. Ah, uh, but here we see why Elma is my favorite. You know, I, I see some people out there, you know, going more for, like, Toru and Lukua, you know. You know, Toru's pretty peppy and stuff, you know. like you know, she's, she's my favorite. Yeah, she's she's a lot of people's favorite. Many like Lukua for her... Um, assets? Assets. <laughs> <laughs> but also because she's pretty lackadaisical, you know. But, like, no, I'm fully on the Elma train, because let me tell you, there is nothing cooler than a woman who has her life together. <laughs> She's got a stable job. She 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 knows exactly who she is. <laughs> And she's got a sweet tooth, too, which I can totally relate to. I love my sweets. <laughs> everything of everything about Elma. Ah, fine character. Though her, like, sweet tooth comes to a fall because there's, like, moments in certain episodes where it, like, cuts to her and she's, like, in line, just, like, agonizingly deciding between, like, what she wants. She's like, oh, do I go for this sweet? Do I go for that? Do I want chestnut? Do I want cream? I don't, can't decide. Ooh. 
prime girl right there. Even the best one were like, she's deciding between what kind of toothpaste does she want, <laughs> even though she bought all three kinds. So she's like, oh, do I want grape toothpaste tonight? Do I want melon? What do I want? <laughs> I can't decide. Oh, love her so much. She's really great. So the next day, Toru tries to win back Kobayashi by going completely overboard with her maid skills, cleaning out Kobayashi's room, including getting rid of all of her furniture, making sandwiches, but uh, Kobayashi sees that Toru's trying to feed her her tail meat again. <laughs> She's still riding that tail train. I love how uh, Kobayashi confirms that uh, that was tail meat, where she's like, Toru, show me your butt, and then just like lifts up her, dre her like maid dress. And then Toru says, you want me to satisfy your lust and not your appetite? <laughs> Are you dumb? Yes. <laughs> uh, the chemistry just gets even better as the series goes on. It's as really they just become As they become wise to each other's <laughs> quirks. They're really good. And Kobayashi tries to figure out what's up with Toru, but before she can do that, Elma arrives to give her a protective charm she made thanks for, as thanks for helping her out at work. Then Kobayashi kind of gets what's eating Toru, especially after Toru sees Elma and immediately blasts her out of the apartment complex. <laughs> Just sends her flying through the door and all the way halfway across town. Like, holy shit, Toru. <laughs> Fetchy's just going all like, you get away from my Miss Kobayashi, you hussy! <laughs> but, uh, you know, the reason why Toru's just all upset, she's was, she was just feeling a little jealous. She thinks that Kobayashi's, you know, seeing having eyes for another dragon that's not her. But then Kobayashi's just like, no, you're the only one for me. Aww. Kind of pats her on the head a little bit. So after that, we go to episode 9, Sports Festival. There's no twist or anything. Yeah, this is a, it's actually a pretty apt title. There's nothing yeah, really big going on here. Straightforward as it says. So yeah, it's, you know, nice of the title to be very transparent with us. As this episode's all about uh, the sports fest at Kana's school. Kana's super excited, but the only problem is that uh, Kobayashi can't come as she has to work that day, unfortunately. You see, she's in the middle of her death march and on the verge of facing Hades. Oh man, I'm sure we all, we've all been there with our jobs. <laughs> I think retail workers face Hades every day that they're every day of their working lives. Oh yeah, especially the weekends. <laughs> God. Kana wants Kobayashi to come because uh, all the other kids' parents will be there, and Kobayashi is practically her mom, so she wants her to be there as well. Great bit as uh, after hearing this, uh, Kobayashi says that she doesn't really consider herself old enough to be Kana's mom, but then she remembers that uh, most of her former classmates all seem to have kids of their own now. <laughs> <laughs> and upon seeing the scene, I'm just like. Wow, that's too real. Uh, well, uh, well I, I'm, to be honest, I don't actually know anybody who actually has kids yet. I've, uh, I don't use Facebook a whole lot, but I still technically am friends with most people from our grade back in high school. And I've noticed that, like, wow, a lot of people who I don't expect to have kids seem to have kids. You know, it's weird. I don't think I actually know anybody, because, like, I don't latch on to many of the people that, like, I know from high school. Most of the people I've known through college. Mm -hmm. And most of those friends I know, for a fact don't have kids, and don't really plan on having kids. Yeah. In interesting kind of dichotomy. Yeah, no, I see a lot of people from, like, high school that just have kids. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, here I am with my no kids and three money while they have three kids and no money. I know. It's 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 weird how it, like, kind of shifts around for people across the board. Yeah, it really is. Then again, at the same time, it's like, with, like, the wages people, like, our generation are, like, earning nowadays, like, I don't blame them for dropping kids. Yeah. 
But yeah, Kanda's upset about this as Kobayashi is all she has for as a parent, and considering her real parents pretty much left her to fend for herself in order to get stronger. So she really wants someone like Kobayashi to give her like the love and intention she really wants from a parent. The next day, Kanda is still upset, but then she uses Toru's perception blocking to spy on Kobayashi at work and realizes how hard she works, and that Kanda's just realizing that, oh, I'm being selfish, like Kobayashi's just working her doing her best to, to provide for someone like me. And she kinda understands saying, like, hey, you know. If you don't want to come, then you don't have to come. Kind of like, you know, she's kind of clenching her fist bit, saying like, I really want you to be there, but if you can't, I understand. Yeah. Sweet little understanding, girl. But uh, Kobayashi heard about what uh, Kana did, kind of seeing her and, you know, being very selfless in this moment, and she decides to, uh, she decides to put in some overtime hours, you know, get her work done early so she can get that day off to go see Kana at the sports fest. And also, you know, calling in a favor from a friend. Yeah, Takia gives her a bit of a gives her a bit of hand with all the all the work she has. So long as she pays for drinks next time. Yeah, drinks are on you. The day of the sports festival arrive, and not only are uh, Kobayashi and Toru there, but also Saikawa's family are there, complete with like uh, Saikawa's dad, who looks like the most intimidating man who ever lived, with like a salacious mustache and everything <laughs> like that, just looking all arms folded, very stern, and just being all like. Yeah. Given that look at her, like, you know, she's going to be excluded from the family will if she loses today. <laughs> you better win or else you're just, you're out of the family. <laughs> and we find out that uh, Shota apparently goes to the same school as uh, Kana and Saikoa, and his parents are there too, along with uh, Yulukua, who's like cheering super loudly for him in the, in the crowd. Like, she's just standing up above everyone else going like, Shota, baby, I'm cheering for you. Aw, she's so supportive of him. And, and he can just see him just being all embarrassed, going like, stop it. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. <laughs> so the first event is the three-legged race with Kana and Saikoa, though they come in last place as Saikoa couldn't handle being so close to Kana. And she was just way too happy, like, with their legs touching and their shoulders touching, and she just couldn't move at all. What fucking kid has this much, like, libido at this age? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Cool, your, cool your spluce jets there, Saikawa. I know, it's like, you haven't even hit puberty, puberty yet. You shouldn't even know what a libido is. <laughs> <laughs> you should be watching Sesame Street. I know, right? Kid, get a life. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Shota competes in a treasure hunt, and he brings over Lukawa. Why? Because he needed to find something that's world-class. Judges? Okay, we'll take it. <laughs> A world-class woman. Yes. And he wins. Afterwards, Kana's class competes in the group jump rope competition, which they also win. I'm, like, watching this, uh, the whole jump rope thing, and I'm thinking, like, man, you know what would have made this better? They did kind of, like, those uh, jump rope rhymes like kids would always do. Ooh, yeah, I love seeing those, the kind of creative ones kids come up with. You know, you can have, like, a little bit of a Harbor Street here where, you know, like, it's like, when they get in fights, here's what they say. Boys are rotten, made from cotton. Girls are sassy, made from molasses. Boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider. Girls go to college to get more knowledge. <laughs> I love those. Then after that, Shota wins the cavalry battle because all the boys were distracted by Lukwa bouncing up and down. <laughs> Does she wear a bra? <laughs> I, I don't think she learned about that when she came into this world. She can't make uh, bra out of her scales. <laughs> After some more competitions, it's down to the last one, the relay race. If Kana's class wins this one, then they win the entire event. Kana's class gets into the lead, but uh, when it comes to Saikawa's turn, uh, she trips and drops the baton and falls into uh, last place. It's up to Kana as the anchor, and she's got this. And it turns into a neck-and-neck -neck race at the very end as Kana just like immediately rushes up to the front, you know, beating out nearly everyone, and then she's able to win. And then she wins for the entire class, like... 
And we have a bit here where uh, Saikawa feels bad for kind of messing up because if she hadn't, then uh, the race would have been easily won. But uh, kind of thanks her for not getting up because if she would have given up right there, then they wouldn't have won at all. But she kept going. It's like it was Saikawa's family is looking on all approvingly and her dad breaks out in tears. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, honey, I love our gay little daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and as thanks, uh, kind of licks Saikawa on the cheek. <laughs> I bet she was. I bet Psycho afterwards when she got home, she was just like, "I'm never watching this face again." <laughs> and so the sports fest comes to a close, and Kana receives the praise from Kobayashi that she wanted, and she thanks her for coming along. Oh, it's so sweet! Such a lackadaisical episode. And so on to episode ten, Troop Dragon on stage. They had a troop name, huh? So summertime has come and gone, and now it's time for the holiday season. Boy, they seem to start it earlier and earlier every year. I know, right? Like, dang, they didn't even save any time for Halloween. Yeah, no, just immediately time for uh, Christmas. I do you think they would have jumped on, like, a Halloween episode? Yeah. And costumes and all that stuff. No, but seeing this, I don't even want to think about wintertime right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. We just finally reached, like, spring, late yeah. spring. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Oh, man, great line to start this episode as uh, Toru and Kana are walking through the shopping district looking at all the Christmas decorations. And then uh, Toru says, Christmas, huh? I do hate the idea of celebrating the birth of you-know-who's son, but I gotta say, it sounds like a good time. <laughs> Toru, what you got against Jesus, bro? <laughs> uh, don't worry, Toru. In Japan, Christmas is mostly commercial, so hardly any religious connotation whatsoever. So anyway, Toru sees that the uh, butcher in the shopping district, who she's well acquainted with like everyone else, heard himself rehearsing for a play at the old folks' home. Toru decides to help him out by putting on a play herself, along with the help of the other dragons, as well as Saikawa and Shota. Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, yeah. So uh, what play are they going to put on? The Little Match Girl. And upon hearing that, Toru goes, ooh, that sounds funny. Is it funny? <laughs> uh, you know the story of the Little Match Girl, right? Yeah, exactly. A little uh, match girl. She's she's trying to sell matches on the street and stuff, and nobody's buying or anything, you know? And she's, like, burning matches and stuff, and then she... Doesn't she, like, get an idea and stuff, and then she, like, proceed and, like, she tries to sell a match off to a guy, and he's like, eh, no, you're poor, get away from me. <laughs> and she, like, crunches the match in her hand, and then, like, very next scene you see, she's, like, burning down his house. <laughs> <laughs> Once the rubble is all gone, she just raids his house for, like, treasure. Yeah, I know that story real well. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a story. Oh, comedy classic right there. <laughs> At least that's my rendition. Oh, yes. And we'll get to see their rendition in this episode, too. <laughs> so, Elma's has been chosen to direct, and the role of the little match girl is given to Kana. Perfect casting, and Saiko would definitely think so, as she lovegasms all over the place seeing Kana in her uh, little match girl outfit. Oh, yeah, she's really cute looking. Yes. Uh, but meanwhile, in this episode's B story, it involves Kana getting ready for Santa Claus to come to town. Or as Toru puts it, the old man that's covered in blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, if, if you watch the Robot Chicken sketch I watch every year, that's true for me. <laughs> yeah. I was also thinking that, man, she must have just watched uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> or that one weird horror comedy movie with uh, Bill Goldberg as Santa. Santa Claus is gunning you down. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kana's worried that Santa might not visit since they don't have a chimney, so uh, instead she makes one leading from the wall outside of uh, Kobayashi's apartment into her room, and then Kobayashi just sees this and goes, what the crap? Oh, that's gotta be violating some building codes. Yeah, just, uh, maybe they, maybe Toru can use, like, perception blocking on inanimate objects to make sure no one else sees it. 
Yeah, but she's got a little chimney for Santa to come down. Yeah. And then later in the episode, you see that she puts signs that say, Come here, Santa. Good girl kind of lives here. If you're like a world with magic or something, you would think St. Nicholas would be among that. Yeah, that, yeah it's kind of weird that like everything else exists, but like there's no there's no Santa. Like, really? You've got magic and like a magical fat man going around the world delivering presents is unbelievable to you? <laughs> Maybe he lives in another world. Mm, could be, could be. Santa Claus from space. <laughs> Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Yeah! That's that's our jam. <laughs> Hooray for Santa Claus. <laughs> Back to the play, the troupe are having some issues with the production, so they decide to uh, jazz it up a bit by adding some more folktales, magical girls, and the 47 Ronin to the story. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, I, uh, did you catch this little joke in the, the dub where like uh, they imagine Kana as a magical girl? And if you listen closely, she briefly sings a little bit of the Sailor Moon theme. She sings a fighting evil by moonlight. <laughs> That's so cute. It's hard to hear as other characters are talking over her, but if you'll really listen closely, you can hear it. You can at least hear the tune. Oh, it's genius. Good, good job, Dovers. Thank you very much for that. I love that. So many days of rehearsal and many rewrites later, the day of the play arrives, and this whole entire scene is so great of them putting on the play like, I'll probably splice in most of it because there's just so much good stuff. Like, me talking about it won't do it justice. <laughs> Please enjoy the show. The city, it was terribly cold that night. A light shone upon the street corner. Standing in that light was a girl selling matches. Matches? Do you want to buy any matches? Unfortunately, no one wanted to buy her matches. I can't sell any. Um, excuse me, young girl. Would you like to buy some hats? Huh? Before her appeared an old man selling very strong hats. I'm an old man, and my old wife made these hats for me to sell. Oh, they're very strong. I do not have any money. Are you all right? I'm cold. That must be difficult. Here, you can burn one of these to get warm. Clean the hat. Odd choice since his wife made it. Oh. setting it on fire! Then something unexpected happened. A strange smoke appeared, and with it, a suspicious man. Look, pathetic humans. Who are you, sir? What do you want? You have been chosen. You will be a magical girl with a duty to bear. I did not see that one coming. I grant unto you the power to correct and punish this corrupt world. Okay. That was quick. Very good. Let us go. Wait, me too! I want to be a magical girl! Why do you wish to be a magical girl? So I can use my power to commit many nefarious deeds. I need the money, you see. My wife is very poor and dying from a terrible sickness. Why wouldn't he just heal her with his magical power? You would dare voice your desires like that without any shame, old man? Acceptable. You shall be a magical girl too. But unfortunately, I only have one staff that will allow you to use your powers. You will fight, and the survivor shall have the staff now. No, you must not fight. <sighs> I am a magic fairy. Do not let yourselves be fooled by that suspicious man's offer. <laughs> I shall not allow you to toy with the hearts of others. Leave this to me and go, little girl and old man girl. No, 
now, Magic Fairy, we cannot just leave you here. That's right. You're so kind. Our time together was very enjoyable. I shall never forget you two. It was seconds. No way. Do you know what we should do now? A magical girl's role is to cleanse corruption from this world, right? Money. Responsible for setting this place on fire? No! What? Who would do such a mean thing? So guilty. I'm very sorry. I meant nothing ill by it. It's cool. Don't worry. I am Kuranosuke Oishi. Thanks to this fire, I can easily sneak into the Kira Mansion, so you have my utmost gratitude. What are you doing here? I've come to finally avenge my lord and claim the head of Kira Kozuke Nosuke Yoshinaka. Now it's the 47 Ronin? <laughs> your lord hilarious prepare yourself kira if you'd forfeit your life now she did not just do that that's the source of the corruption and the enemy of all magical girls <laughs> no <laughs> no one can beat me in this my final and ultimate form i'll turn you into That's amazing! This must be that CGI! You're darn right I'm spry! Oh, Alright, but I'll have to get serious too! I dare you! Well, it starts off normally, and then it just goes off the walls from there, where it doesn't even resemble the story anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you think of this whole entire scene here? I re I oh these these re renditions of stories. I freaking love it. From like the magical girls that like uh, Kana and Shoda turn into. Yeah. <laughs> no, Shoda, an old man magical girl. Yeah. <laughs> Selling hats turned to a magical girl. Fafnir being like a sorcerer. Lukua coming in as a fairy. This this whole play is all around the place. And like, what sells it for me is that the old people are like loving it. Oh, they absolutely dig it. They're looking like, oh, they're like, oh so, so practical effects have come this far since we were kids. Yeah. <laughs> Such clever young people. <laughs> and, like, Kobayashi and Taki are just, like, freaking out about, like, what's going on. Because they're, like, basically using their dragon powers here. But, like, the old folks are going, like, oh, this is... I know, they nice. think they're watching the nativity scene right here. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this this whole play reminds me of a, a comic that I see um, circulated by a, a creator at local comic, comic book conventions in the Twin Cities area. I believe it's at uh, SpringCon and FallCon. There's this one guy I've seen there multiple times who has this comic of his that he peddles called uh, The Bible 2. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. It's called The Bible 2. Bible 2? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just one guy's blasphemous like sequel to the Bible in which he just like throws the characters in like the, the of the Bible into the most like weird nonsensical fantastical situations you've ever seen 
one of the opening parts he just has like jesus coming like coming back from the dead and being like yo what up y'all back from the dead here what's that the romans are gonna be coming invading oh i better stop them activate rocket sandals (laughs) he rockets off one of the covers i think has like jesus on like a tyrannosaurus rex (laughs) hunting down romans I've never picked it up and looked at it before, oh but goddamn, god I gotta go through the Bible too. One of these, one of these conventions, man. SpringCon is coming up too, so I should really dig into that. Oh my god, this is that you talking about that reminds me of like you ever see that movie uh, Hamlet two that came out years ago? No, I've never have. Yeah, were they trying to make like a sequel to Hamlet, and then you have like all this weird revisionist stuff, and then you have like a song where the characters sing "Rock Me, Sexy Jesus." <laughs> It's like, rock me, rock me, rock me, sexy Jesus. <laughs> I like to imagine that movie being, like, the play the Dragon Troop is putting on here. <laughs> Wait, I think we got off track. What was it? What was our main topic again? Oh, yeah. Keep Christ in Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the lesson we learned right here. <laughs> that's the lesson we're learning from this dragon play right here. Yeah, there's a war on Christmas here, people. We gotta fight it and get it <laughs> We need to say Merry Christmas again. <laughs> oh, man. Fine play here. Fine uh, play. I give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, I do love legitimate theater. <laughs> so the play goes successfully, and afterwards, the gang all head to Kobayashi's place for a Christmas after party. And after everyone uh, heads home, Kobayashi and Toru spend the rest of the evening together. Toru turns into a dragon form, and uh, Kobayashi rides on her back as they fly through the night sky together. Yeah! Yeah! Never-ending story! <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I guess we had to make that reference at some point. Some point. Although, I'm I'm amazed by Kobayashi, not at all, like, like just... I'm surprised she's not even dying from hypothermia up here. <laughs> yeah, Although, exactly. I don't think she would notice, because if you notice, she's carrying a beer, so she's most likely drunk and can't feel herself, like, yeah. can't feel her body suffering from the effects of frostbite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm amazed how she's able to keep her eyes open going at that speed in the middle of the sky. <laughs> her skull should be, like, coming out of her head. Or at least be covered in all kinds of bugs and debris. <laughs> I don't care. I'm drunk. I'm cold. I'm numb all over. Riding a dragon. Riding Mer- a dragon. Merry fucking Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> Shucking beer cans down below. <laughs> Full beer cans, mind you. Yeah. Oh, Deck some poor guy in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so Kobayashi then compliments Toro on a job well done doing the play because she thought it would have been a disaster, but it turns out to be a huge success. The, the, the next great Christmas story to retell. Oh yeah, market the crap out of this one. And uh, Kobayashi then gives Toru her Christmas gift, a very nice little scarf with like a little dragon design on it, which she wraps around Toru's horn. Aww. It's just so much cute with this. And later on, Kana also gets her gift from Santa too, by which I mean Miss Kobayashi, as she tries to sneak into Kana's room while she's sleeping, but uh, makes a little creak on the floor and Kana wakes up. <laughs> and then Kana like looks into her stocking, doesn't see anything there, while Kobayashi's like hiding right next to her bed. She's uh, like, I'm trapped. And then Kana doesn't go back to sleep, she just lays back kind of angrily going like, what the fuck is Santa? 
It was one of those weird moments where I actually wanted to see how that ended. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how the episode... How is Kobayashi going to get out of this one, folks? Stay tuned. Yeah, like, it immediately goes to credits while, like, uh, Kobayashi's just, like, hiding, going, like, oh, I suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to episode 11. Year-end, new year. No coming kept bit this time. Thank God. So, with Christmas over, it's time to get ready for the New Year's. And unlike yours truly, they didn't have to spend their New Year's Eve editing a Yuri on Ice podcast all night like I did. Oh. <laughs> it was it was a blast, but it was a lot of fun. I'm glad the podcast came well together, but that was my New Year's Eve this past year. Right, right. <laughs> glad you all liked it. <laughs> so while everyone else has plans for the New Year's, Kobayashi is going to relax at home with Toru and Kana, made even greater with their new Kotatsu that Toru won in a lottery contest. God, Kotatsu's, those seem really nice. God, I want to own one of those so badly. Is there any, is there a way to, like, import these, those over here? Yeah, maybe, like, maybe Japanese Amazon or something like that. Mmm, man, they look so comfy. Yeah, especially us living in, like, the the great white north up here in Minnesota, where we especially need these during the winter. Come on, Japan has borrowed so much from us, we can borrow back from Japan. Especially <laughs> Minnesotans. Yes, we need this more than you do. More than everyone else in the entire country. So, yeah, this whole entire episode is pretty much a... It's pretty much like a chill-out episode, as everyone is just relaxing and enjoying the downtime during this, like, holiday break. And watching this, it kind of reminds me of, uh... Reminds me of me during my winter breaks back in grade school, where, like, oh, man, I got a good two weeks off, I don't have to do anything, and I just lay at home, do nothing all day, every day. It's just very nice. Like, do you remember doing stuff like that back in... Back in grade school. Oh, yeah, I remember that quite well. I also remember doing that when I've been uh, unemployed, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was me this past year, too, while I was unemployed. <laughs> so, different periods of life, I suppose. Yeah. You enjoy it in different ways. Yeah. That's also why I was able to have so much time editing a podcast New Year's Eve, because <laughs> I was unemployed. <laughs> and before you know it, New Year's Eve is here, and everyone goes out for a New Year's shrine visit. Those seem really nice, too, actually. Like J Japan always seems to like put on a pretty good like New Year's celebration. Yeah, and just like and also during this we get to see all the dragons in their uh, kimonos and they all look really nice and stuff like that. By the way, Taurus is the cutest. Oh yeah, everybody looks like just wonderful this episode. Like I don't know, I've I don't know. I might try one of those like on, you know? Yeah, they seem really nice, especially the one that uh, Fafnir wears. It looks very comfy. I don't know. You would think they would be a little chilly though, since the weather still gets a little like uh, brisk out there. Yeah, I, w I wonder like how people do deal with the cold while wearing those like kimonos or yukatas. They probably don't. They'd probably just like freeze to death. Yeah, right there. <laughs> freeze their butts off. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, especially for like the women, aren't they? traditionally aren't they not supposed to like wear like too much uh, clothing underneath to like keep their shape? Yeah, traditionally. Oh, jeez. And after doing the typical Japanese New Year's traditions, the New Year is finally here and everyone get, goes and spends the night at uh, Kobayashi's place and they ring in the New Year together. And then the next morning comes and they all enjoy the first sunrise of the year together. Just kind of a, a really nice kind of bonding moment among our main cast here. Oh yeah. Everybody everybody coming a long way over the past yeah, year. Like, this whole episode is like really nice and relaxing. I don't really have much to describe it other than just the characters just chilling, hanging out, watching TV. Yeah, not really. Everybody's just kind of having fun, you know, playing to their like character quirks and whatnot. Yeah, just it's just a very nice episode that I kind of feel like, you know, since it's like a New Year's episode, I should probably break this out like every New Year's Eve to kind of like help me ring in the New Year. Just watching this going like, ah, this is really nice. Yeah, not a bad idea. Certainly a lot cheaper than breaking out the booze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't stop me. Yeah, me neither. So after we uh, enter the new year, we go on to episode 12, Toru and Kobayashi's impactful meeting. We're raising the bar on ourselves. 
Or alternate title, Miss Kobayashi's Year Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, with all the time they spent together, I bet you're wondering, how did Kobayashi and Toru first, me- first meeting go exactly? Like, we only get hints of it throughout the first, like, few episodes, but now, in this episode, we actually get to see how everything all went down, the exact juicy details. In the past, after a hard day at work, no thanks to her jerk-ass chief, Kobayashi proceeded to drink herself stupid, so much so that she missed her train stop and wound up in the forest at the base of a mountains while carrying a big bottle of booze labeled Dragon Slayer. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at this and I'm all like, oh, living the dream right here, this woman. Oh, yeah, God. <laughs> Get to drink in public right after work. Oh, God, I wish I could do that. Oh, man. And you know, and she, good thing she doesn't have a car either. She can just take public transportation. Don't have to worry about drinking and driving. I know, right? Even better. Uh... Hey, Min- 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 Minnesota's almost there. We've got good transit. We, we just got- gotta we just gotta get more lax to the liquor laws. Yeah, yeah. Expand the light rail, please. Yes. <laughs> oh, please, please yes, do that. Please. And I have to say again that Leah Clark's drunk Kobayashi here is great. Like I even love the bit where she's on the train and she's just laughing, going like, <laughs> "I missed my stop. There it is, and now it's gone." <laughs> I know it's those little ways you act when like you're drunk about yeah. you just laughing at anything, <laughs> just take everything in strides. Yeah, don't you know? Every- Good writing. Don't you know everything's funnier when you're drunk? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes to the mount base, goes to a forest at the base of the mountains, and that is where she bumped into Toru in her dragon form, laying wounded with a giant sword piercing her back. She tries to send Kobayashi away, but uh, in her drunken stupor, Kobayashi is able to climb onto Toru's back and pulls the sword right out of it, kind of like. Uh, Kind of like a dragon version of like that whole uh, thing of pulling the thorn out of a lion's paw. I was going to say Excalibur for a moment, but yeah, you're, you're explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was stupid. <laughs> and uh, the, we find out that the reason she was able to pull out the sword is because uh, Koyashi lacks faith. She doesn't believe in God, so she was able to pull the sword out of Toru's back. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a weird way for like a holy sword to work. <laughs> I can just imagine Kobayashi going like, Ah, gosh, Ma, let me get that sword out of your bag, dragon. Knowing that, couldn't anybody just be all like, Okay, don't believe it in God. <laughs> now. <laughs> now. Now. <laughs> now. Ah, there we go. <laughs> but Kobayashi doesn't care about all that and invites Toru to drink with her. Toru then transforms into her human form and joins her. Several hours of getting shifty later, the two are completely shit-faced. <laughs> and all splice in their drunk scene as, like, both their drunk acting is, like, really good in this scene. Mm, I'm selling it so well. They both have a good time. They're going along like, ah, you're great, you're great, everything's great. I wonder if there's ever a situation that could allow for voice actors getting drunk in the booth. <laughs> it's uh, method acting is what we call it. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I know this is just my dream, but what is a dragon got to be like a big jerk baby? Apologies. You saved me regardless and it is appreciated. I was defeated in battle with the gods and barely escaped to this world. I imagine you only managed to remove that sword because you lacked faith. I am truly grateful. Don't try that prejudice! yours! Wanna drink? Sure you do! Drink with me, dragon! Drink with me and listen to my story! dragon then yes i am female to be honest i detest using the spell but Ooh, you're down to 
drag! Yay! Just us girls, let's go! Your girl? Yes, Rube Dragon! I'm this sorry. Fungle your tits! It's okay to be curious, even though society pressures me to say okay. that I'm not! Again? <laughs> for real! I work hard and for what? I'm telling you, this whole world is unfair, man! Yeah, keep raging, sister! Let me bring an end to this place for you! And what the hell? You're supporting your problem! Yeah! <laughs> sumo dragons are really lollicons who yeah! randomly demand villages virgin daughters! So they both have a good time, and since uh, Kobayashi realizes that they're similar in that they've been mostly alone for most of their lives, this is what leads to Kobayashi inviting Toru to stay with her and be her maid. Toru is just so overcome with emotion at this proposition, as no one has ever shown her kindness like this before, and she accepts this. And this is what leads her to fall in love with Miss Kobayashi, this moment of Kobayashi showing her this kind of kindness, like nothing she's ever experienced in her life before. How sweet. It really is. And very understandable, too. Like, this is, like, you understand, like, why she's in love with her in the first place. Back to present day, as Kobayashi wonders if Toru ever came close to any other humans in her world. And Toru does say that there was one human she spent a good amount of time with and proceeds to tell the tale. So one day, Toru, in her dragon form, found some abandoned ruins and decided to use them for a home for the time being. And when she arrived, she ran into a little bandit girl, played here by Bryn April. Whoop, whoop! <laughs> Who's been Your girl. A My girl. <laughs> Who's been, on, who's been on the run after attacking a noble and getting separated from her party. Toru threatens to kill the girl, but the girl doesn't take her seriously. And she's just like, oh, you dragon, you're not you're not very good at threatening me. I know you wouldn't harm me. And we get a bit where, like, she tries to, like... It's sad to realize that, like, she's probably known threats before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows when somebody's not putting in the effort. Yeah, like, you could, like when Toru tries to, like, smash her with, like, her dragon claw, she, like, just barely misses her, just, like, in between her, like, fingers. Just like, ah, oh, you're a softie. Yeah. I knew it. I know Miss you me like, and everything. I know you like me. You think I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, uh, Toru decides to just stay anyway. And things like, maybe in retrospect, you should have left, but uh, she didn't want to yield to a human because that's not what, what a dragon's supposed to do. They begin to have a chat with one another, and the bandit girl brings up how lucky Toru must be having, like, all this freedom being a dragon and all. Which then Toru begins to wonder about, like, is she truly free, being a part of this chaos faction that's meant to be, uh, have wars with other dragon factions and among, like, humans and knights and all that? Like, is she truly free? Good questions to ask. Yeah. And then Toru asks the girl what would she do if she had this freedom she speaks of. I'd be a maid! <laughs> a maid? Yes! A maid! I'd wear the cutest maid outfit! I'd greet every single guest with my very best smile, and I would totally fall in love with my master. I don't throw shit out of a chamber pot. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, like watching this, I'm thinking like, oh, good thing she ran into Toru because if this girl ran into like someone who like hates maids or something like that, they'd be all like, your dreams are stupid and so are you. Pick a better career. <laughs> Why are you attacking me personally here? I, I didn't name names. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so Toru and the bandit girl bond for a little bit, and then they go their separate ways. And this would be the moment that leads into Toru thinking about, you know, wanting true freedom. And she also got, and this is where she gets the idea of a maid. Toru finally remembers the girl and wonders where she is. And as it turns out, she's now living her life as a maid, which is very sweet. Like her dream came true as we get a little shot of her at the end of the episode. Aww. But uh, before the episode truly ends, 
we see another dragon entering the human world. And this brings us to the final episode. We're on the home stretch here. Uh-oh. Emperor of Demise arrives. It was the final episode before we knew it. Before we knew it. Gone too soon. So life continues to be nice for Toru, but one day while shopping, she sees a TV program talking about the lifespan of rats compared to humans and how short it is. This leads into a really well-done scene here where Toru begins to have doubts about her life with Kobayashi and it's representative of her conversing with her dragon form that's taking the taking the representation of her doubts, saying like, can you live here forever with Kobayashi? Can you truly be living among her even though she'll be die she'll die long before you die? Having an argument with her nature here. Yeah, just like inner conflict and it's just like really well done. Especially the moment where like uh, her dragon form kind of puts her claw on top of like Toru's head and just kind of like holding her down a bit while, like, the ground breaks beneath her. Mm. It's really good. This all comes to a head as Toru is then confronted by the dragon from the end of the previous episode, introducing the Emperor of Demise, a.k.a. Toru's father, played here by John McHelmont. He's here to bring her back to the world, and he goes and does just that. And suddenly, without question, Toru's gone. Like, he just leaves with her. Kana sees the whole thing and goes home to tell Kobayashi that she's gone and went home. And probably never, ever coming back. And I really love this moment here where, like, we see Kobayashi's reaction as she's just trying to process Toru not being around anymore. She's like, you know, she adjusts her glasses. She does the same thing again, even though she already adjusted them. Rubs her own head, messing up her hair, just, like, wondering what just happened. And yeah, she's just flabbergasted. And the last thing she does is look at uh, look at her uh, coffee mug because the last thing Toru did for her was make her coffee before she left. And that was the last thing she ever saw her. It's so well done. I love that scene. Yeah, you, you kind of feel like the rug's been kind of pulled out from under you, just like with Kobayashi. Yeah. So with Toru no longer here in her life, everything just begins to suck for Kobayashi. Just She's messing up everything around the house. She can't really take care of Kana as a single parent or anything, so she has to like let her stay at Saiko's place for a little bit while she's trying to get her life together. And everyone else begins to feel the effects as they're all kind of like missing Toru a bit here. Like they're just looking up the sky going... Toru, when are you going to come back? Yeah, like a cog's been taken out of the mechanism here. Yeah, just something's missing. Something, a big part of our lives has just been ripped out right before us. And also, the big thing is, is that Kobayashi is left with one big regret. Is that uh, in the previous episode, Toru made her omu rice for dinner, but she never got a chance to tell her that it was good, that she liked it. She feels that Toru doesn't know that she appreciates her, what she does. Aww. So after many days have passed, Kobayashi is just sitting home alone, just sulking, drowning her sorrows in like her empty beer cans all around her place as her house is just going to shit. But then she hears a knock at the door as Toru's back. Oh, that was that was pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all told relatively. Through, relative, yeah, it's told through a montage, so maybe like you can assume like a month passed by. Right, right. Kobayashi thought she went home, but Toru begins to tell her that nah, this is her home. However, their reunion is cut short as Toru's dad shows up to bring her back once again. And another really good scene here as we get like this big grand speech from Kobayashi that's really good. I have to splice it in that too. Say what you will. She said no. Tora doesn't want to go with you! How dare you? You're not allowed to interfere in this world! That's what you said! If so, you can't kill me! No, but I can leave you just shy of death, human. Do your worst! It won't change how I feel! We must obey the rules of the world. 
If any dragons are found living in the human world, it would inevitably lead to disaster. Others will be influenced to make their way here. It may be fine now, but eventually some will plot an invasion. Would your feelings be changed then? It doesn't matter, that wouldn't be Toru's fault. Why are you twisting an imaginary future into her responsibility? She will change things. <laughs> and who cares? Why are you so fixated on my daughter? Don't tell me you care for Toru. I cannot believe a human could be capable. Why? Toru's completely awesome. Yes, I'm aware of that. <laughs> Toru's bright and cheerful, and whenever she feels down, she hides it with a super cute laugh. And to top it off, she's a great maid! Don't you get that? I won't let you take my maid away! Back off! She's mine! <sighs> Which has like a really cool moment where like she tries to speak up and immediately Emperor Demise just like fires a blast and just like breaks her glasses and he goes like, Choose your world's wise human. Mm, nice and threatening. And then Kobayashi tries to like stand up to him and saying like, No, I'm not letting you take my maid away. I want Toru to stay with me because she's super awesome. You wouldn't understand that. I'm talking about your possessive parents here. <laughs> and then this is followed up by a sick dragon battle between Toru and her dad. Like, it's just so really good to see. And, like, in their, they're in their dragon form. They're not in their human form. They're just, like, two big-ass dragons having a fight in the middle of a field. Oh, yeah. Dance of Dragons, baby. Oh, this is where all the budget went. Like, KyoAni was just, like, saving up just for this moment right here. Well, big finale. You big finale, go yeah, with, but still. Gotta just, go out with a bang. Yeah, and it just looks really good. So Kobayashi is able to intervene as she stands up to Toru's dad and tells him that she that he should have faith in his daughter and that she's making the right decision in staying in this world. And she's actually able to get through to him because you get to, like a shot of his face going all like, wow, this human's actually like talking back to me and actually making some really good points. Maybe I am being kind of an overprotective parent here. And so he was able to like relent and let uh, Toru stay in this world. Or like more so that he doesn't, he doesn't really say anything, he just kind of leaves, assumingly that he's like, okay, you can stay. And then we get a nice moment between Toru and Kobayashi as she hugs her and thanks her for, like, standing up to her father and wanting her to stay in the human world. And then she says she promises to give her everything she has, and, Tor and uh, Kobayashi tells her that she doesn't need that much. Just a nice plate of omurice. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll tell her that it's good. Life goes back to normal, and Kobayashi gets the idea of going back home to visit her parents. And she brings Toru and Kana along with her to meet them. Hey, Mom, Dad, allow me to introduce you to my maid and our baby dragon daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be super shocked, but <laughs> they're a little draconian in their ways. <laughs> why, Kobayashi, dear, I didn't know you were even pregnant. <laughs> And so fast, too. How old is she? Well, uh, let's just say eight. <laughs> and so the episode ends with Toru knowing that her time with Miss Kobayashi is limited, but she will treasure every single moment she has with her. Thus ends Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Or does it? Or does it? Because like many anime like this, we've got a little something extra. Yes, we got an OVA, Valentine's and Hot Springs. Please don't get your hopes up. After the series ended, we finally got an OVA and a Valentine's Day one, to be exact. And it was perfectly timed, too, as it aired in September of 2017. Wow, good timing there. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, while this OVA is on the official Blu-ray release, for, uh, for whatever reason, it was never dubbed. Hmm. Boo. That's kind of odd. 
I don't know, maybe OVAs have, like, different rights than the anime series, so they have to, like, license that for dub, but for some reason they couldn't do it or OVAs whatnot. are so weird like that. Yeah, just, and it's really disappointing, too, because, like this, like I said, this dub is super great, and I would have loved to have seen them, like, uh, record for this uh, episode. Yeah, it's a fine enough OVA, you know? It's just a little extra taste of the characters we've loved thus far. Yeah, so I'll just quickly go over this with, with uh, what happens in this one. Uh, the first half of this episode are just scenes of all the main cast uh, giving each other chocolates for Valentine's Day. You know, you have, like, Saiko trying to give chocolates to Kana, but Kana keeps getting more chocolates than her. And then when Kana gets uh, Saiko's chocolates, they think, oh, these are just uh, friend chocolates, not love chocolates. <laughs> Chocolate friend zone. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also get, I like, uh, another moment between uh, Takia and Fafnir where, like, uh, they exchange, like, uh, Valentine's swords in their uh, MMO that they're playing. Aww... The main part of this uh, first half is that Toru makes her own chocolate for Kobayashi, but she adds a special ingredient to the mix, a love potion, but uh, she does give the chocolates to Kobayashi as uh, when she tries to, uh, Kobayashi is immediately suspicious of her, going like, Did you put your tail meat in this? <laughs> it's like, these chocolates are normal, right? They're not, you didn't do anything weird to them, right? I can trust you, Toru. We have a bit of a trust between each other, right? <laughs> And then Toru's just like, oh, these are the bad bunch. I, 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 I don't mean to give these to you. Ignore them. Please, please don't. <laughs> and be cautious, too, if she puts some kind of, like, love potion roofie yeah. in like, <laughs> chocolate. Uh, but unfortunately, later on, Kana accidentally finds the chocolate around the house, and Kobayashi unknowingly eats them. She realizes what they are and immediately goes to bed to try to, like, sleep it off, trying to get it out of her system. Toru arrives home to check on her, and Kobayashi tells her that she ate the chocolate, and it looks like they're gonna kiss, because apparently the uh, it looks like the love potion kind of took over Kobayashi here. But uh, then Kobayashi goes into drunk mode as uh, Toru's Valentine's chocolates were made from liquor chocolates. That's what she used to make the mix out of. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so the booze canceled out the love potion, and oh, then we just get, that's that's good. So we get drunk ranting about we get uh, Kobayashi drunkenly ranting about maids instead of kissing Toru. <laughs> And then the second half of the episode is about uh, Takia inviting Kobayashi and the other dragons and their friends to a hot springs getaway. And they and it's just them, like, you know, spending time enjoying the hot springs together. And uh, Why not? It's an OVA. We can get the hot spring episode out of yeah. the way with this. Yeah, just uh, one moment I kind of like is uh, while on the boys' side of, like, the hot springs, you know, you have, like, Shota, Takia, and Fafnir. I kind of like the bit where, like, Shota's kind of, like, looking at himself in the mirror and he's trying to, like, flex, trying to get, trying to see if he has some muscles. He's like, uh, uh, like realizing he just doesn't have anything there. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> alchemy can't help you there. <laughs> <laughs> no equivalent exchange there. But everyone ends up having a really nice time, and Toru ends up giving Kobayashi real Valentine's chocolates this time as an apology for the uh, bad roofie chocolates from before. <laughs> and Kobayashi accepts, and uh, in return offers, her, offers uh, Toru to hold her hand while they have a little nighttime stroll together. Which is a very sweet way to end the uh, OVA. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you think Just of this? To let, to let you know that, like, things are going to be okay in the future yeah. with these two. Yeah, what do you think of this OVA, like, this special little extra episode after everything's all said and done? It's just it's it's just another helping of like the characters we've known before, you know. Yeah. Nothing particularly notable as far as like other OVAs I've seen. But yeah. like it's fine. Yeah, it's 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 nice. Kinda wish it were a dub though, but whatever. Yeah, it's about what you would expect from an OVA. Yeah. And thus, for realsies this time, ends Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Or does it? Oh yes. As just months ago, it was announced that Miss Kobayashi will be getting a second season. Oh yes. I am so looking forward to it, and I'm also looking forward to how they handle some of the weirder stuff in the manga later on because I kind of read ahead and 
Like, some stuff gets, like, serious later on. It gets but... serious, but there's also stuff uh, involving a certain new character where it just gets really, really bizarre. Yeah, like, people who have read the manga kind of know what I'm talking about here, but uh, nonetheless, I'm really excited, and I can't wait for more Dragon Maid goodness. Oh, and I can't wait either. And hey, since we're, uh, while we're at it, since we're giving anime from the 2017 winter season, you know, second seasons and all, maybe we can get another season for, you know, interviews with Monster Girls? Mm. Maybe? Please? Come on, come, on. An- come on, anime industry, do you see the way I'm, like, rubbing my fingers <laughs> together here? <laughs> the hand things mean means the taxes. <laughs> so now, for realsies this time, this ends Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, season one. So, final thoughts on uh, this little show right here. Do you hear how many times I went aww throughout <laughs> this review? This is such an aww-worthy show. Aww, it's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> how can anybody not look at this and not get a little smile on their face? Yeah, it's just... It's pure cuteness. Yeah. It's, the... it's, it's mostly due to like the studio being able to distill all the finest moments of the manga into mm. like a good form. Because it's cute, it's it's cute when it needs to be, it's awesome when it needs to be, it's serious when it needs to be, it hits all the right emotional notes that you would want to get out of a series like this. Really cute show, like probably one of the cutest shows I've ever seen, and also like, I'm glad this aired during the uh, 2017 winter season because like, we got this and we got like, interviews with Monster Girls, so it's like a double whammy of cute that entire season for those three months. Yeah, I mean, like it's 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 a good little it's it's one of the lighter sort of series I would throw out for someone like that. Yes, and also great cast of characters, and I love their relationships amongst each other. Like, it's just loaded with like very sweet interactions between all these group of guys. And, and girls such and lovable stuff. characters all bouncing off of each other and playing well off of one another. It's it's a good mix. Really good, well-written mix. And of course, like, the biggest one, I love the relationship between Kobayashi and Toru. That's, like, the, like, the big crux of the entire show, and it's just... I love how it evolves from, like, uh, Kobayashi being like, uh, I don't really know, do I really want you around, to being like, no, I need you to have him around, you're my maid, and I really care about you. And how, like, maybe it's, like, it could evolve into something actually more romantic in the future. Yeah, good, strong, base relationship here. Yeah, like, there's no doubt that these two are probably gonna hook up officially when the series ends. Hopefully. For, for, probably. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the the English dub of the show is, like, really great. Fantastic job by everyone involved. Yeah, and a uh, great uh, adapted script. Like, I know a lot of people out there who have problems with uh, Jamie Markey's script writing for this show, but uh, pff, screw them. She did a great job. You're all just being mean. Oh, she did fantastic. Knocked it this. out of the friggin' park. And also uh, the voice acting, like, especially with uh, Sarah Wiedenheff being the true MVP of the show. Even though, like, everyone else has been, like, amazingly good. Like, she's the one who, like, really, really stood out. Making for the finest dragon maid you could ever ask for. Also, when watching the OVA, I kind of, like, realized it's amazing how she sounds almost exactly like Toru's Japanese actress. Like, almost exactly similar in tone. I would say she gets done the bubbliness just right. Yeah. That makes it sound very similar. Yeah, just, it's the perfect casting here. And also, the animation from Kyoto Animation, KyoAni just going above and beyond with this series. As always, just hitting it out of the park. Especially considering, like, how the manga has, like, very simple, almost doodle-like art style, but, like, KyoAni took this and turned this into, like, a fucking work of art. <laughs> oh, yes. It's, like, almost on par of, like, Studio Madhouse taking, like, One's One Punch Man webcomic and turning it into, like, the masterpiece that that is. I know, right? They just... Oh, man. Make an action series. Come on. Come on, Make an action series. Do it. <laughs> and, of course, can't wait for season two. Cannot wait. 
So thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Mikey, and you can find me at my social medias at Mikey Shiota on Twitter and MikeyShiota.tumblr.com. And where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at WolfishGrin on Twitter and WolfishGrin on Tumblr. Follow the show's Twitter at anime underscore baybay. That's anime underscore B-A-Y-B-A-Y. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send them to animebaybaypod at gmail.com. And remember to look out for The Bible 2. <laughs> That's T-H-E space B-I-B-L-E space number two <laughs> available. online. And available at your local spring con. <laughs> Check it out now. There's a plug for you. Immerse yourself in some good biblical fiction. Oh, that's some good old-fashioned blasphemy right there. Oh, wonderful stuff. <laughs> wonderful. Anyway, thanks again for listening, and this has been... Anime, baby! baby! Yeah. Afterwards, uh, Cyclo lays in her bed wondering uh, what was Kana going to do to her earlier when she was like on top of her. Well, you see, it's quite simple as she merely wanted to facilitate a good relationship with her in the hopes of turning it into a romantic one. Dragon style. Oh, yeah, that's wicked. <laughs>